السلام عليكم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد ابن عبد الله بن عبد المطلب بن هاشم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يبقه قولي رب أوزعني أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصلح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين الحمد لله فارس أعوان تسانك يفور كامين سيتين إن الشوب on a Sunday, where the sun is shining outside, and people are wandering in the street and in the parks. So this is very good that you are in. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And second, for seeing every time new people coming, Alhamdulillah, because the intention is to have this place, people coming from all different walks of life, walking into a shop, but rather than buying material goods, inshallah they buy a spiritual benefit. And hopefully that they will enter into a business that will never be at loss. For Allah said in the Quran, tabur. A business that will never be at loss. If you go to the city and buy shares, it depends upon the market. Those who bought shares last week, reading, hoping that Facebook is going to make him a millionaire <laughs> after investing a lot of money, within the first day or two, they lost almost 15% of what they invested, maybe more. I remember when uh, these dot-coms began, uh, everybody was rushing to buy lastminute.com. My wife bought a quite few shares, but I can't remember anything about her making a loss or a profit in that because they are forgotten. Because everybody lost. Who made them profit? The speculators. And that is the business of today. Our business is a true business. Is a, our business is a genuine business. Our business is a business, business that is only can bring you good and prepare you for the hereafter. Our business is a business with the Creator Almighty Allah. So rest assured, you are dealing with someone who will never cheat you or deny you or overburden you. Allah wants ease for you and never he intends or want difficulty for you. I thank also Sister Sakina and Sister Sazan for working hard to make this possible because not easy. Any shopkeeper find it very difficult dealing with customers. But because they get money at the end from their hands, they don't mind. But here they don't get any money. So when you give them headache, you really give them headache. So I hope, inshallah, you will look up to them and treat them with utmost help, inshallah. Now this topic today I'm going to talk about is, to me, one of the best topics you can study in your life. Al-Lisan. The tongue. We all know how beautiful it is, how wonderful it is, but how dangerous it could be. 
forgive me because I had a, a flu for the last week. And today, alhamdulillah, I'm a little bit better. I wasn't going to come. But then my heart saying to me, don't cancel. Just go. Allah will help you. So I pray and I ask Allah to help me. And that my voice will continue. He always gave me a very good voice. Alhamdulillah. I don't need a microphone in many cases. But sometimes you have got limitations. When you have a flu, it makes it difficult to breathe or to speak. But inshallah, with your dua, we can do this. So our topic is al-lisan, the tongue. As I do usually, I look at the words from a spiritual perspective and from my own way, linking the letters of that word to the names of Allah. To give us an insight, yani what names can we link ourselves with when we look at our own tongues? The word lisan, which means tongue in English, also means language. In Arabic, when we say lisanak, we could mean your tongue, or we could mean your language that you speak. Or in a language, the dialect that you use to speak. Obviously, we are not only speaking the same dialect in this country. If you go to the Queen and listen to her, and then you go to East London, there's a big, big, big gulf, big difference. You see, from water to water. Yeah? <laughs> Lisan is four letters. Lam, Seen, Alif, Noon, Lisan. Subhanallah. The Lam has only one attribute of Allah, Latif. From Lutf, the gentle, or gentleness. Lutf, gentleness, Latif, the gentle, Allah, Latif. Beautiful name. I promise anybody who's sitting in front of me, if every day you recite this name, at least 129 times. Don't question me. Don't tell me where you get the number from. Don't say to me it is bid'ah. I don't want to know. Just trust me. If you recite Ya Latif, Ya Latif, Ya Latif, 129 times, at least once a day, but best after each salah, 129 time, everything you go through in your life will be gentle. You will have no problems. This is the way we survive. Otherwise, we will have big problems in our way, especially if those people who stand up to speak on behalf of the Prophet and do da'wah nowadays, we get a lot of attacks. But alhamdulillah, Allah is saving us. Even somebody like me who says I'm a Sufi. You see, so I, I, I'm saved, alhamdulillah, from people. So the first letter linked to the attribute Latif, gentle, and I think the best person is the one who have a gentle tongue. The one who uses his tongue to say beautiful words. The one who uses his tongue to praise. The one who uses his tongue to say the good. A lot of people who are disappointed because they are not praised. Even children. Many of them, they become hyper in the school and they cause havoc because they just need attention. Somebody say, well done. You look good. Imagine your wife. She goes all the way to, to do everything. And you don't give her attention and say, wow. You look attractive. <laughs> you look beautiful. I remember I was sitting with my wife. She put the radio in the morning. We're going to school. And suddenly this song came. Before she changed the channel, Allah helped me to listen. Because I was not thinking in my topic. Sakina reminded me. And the man says in the song, I can't what did he say? Uh, 
when I see your face. <laughs> what did he say? I would say, you are what? What did he say? You are amazing. Wow. I thought my wife is putting it deliberately for me to say it. <laughs> We learn from those things. If everything comes from inspiration, it's true. So little children need to be praised. Workers, especially in our organization, when they are really down, if you really look into the core of their job satisfaction, usually because their bosses don't say to them, well done. In fact, at the time in my job, <coughs> we are sitting reviewing things, and somebody said, why aren't you satisfied? We are giving everything to you. I said to the person who owned the place and the boss, I said, look, I think there is one thing missing. He said, what is it? I said, a pat in the back. He said, I can't give to everyone. I said, look, nowadays there is technology. You can bring an arm. Electric. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. Every evening when they are leaving home. <laughs> I think somebody should invent something like that. A lot of employers will buy it because they don't have time. But they sit in the door. Well done. But then you need to do one when they are coming late. You are late. <laughs> Be punctual. <laughs> that will put them at. So the tongue, lisan, lamb, is useful for remembering that. Well, you are linked to lot. You are linked to gentleness. Be gentle with your tongue. Be praising with your tongue. Be good when you use your tongue to speak. The scene is also magnificent. Two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the 99 names which are beautiful. Number one is Sami' Subhanallah. Sami' meaning the, the hearer or the one who hears everything. As if Allah is telling us, don't say anything until you listen and you hear what is being said. Because in most cases, we rush to say sorry because we rush to reply to that which we did not hear or we thought it is. Oh, I'm serious. I thought you said to me you are ugly. <laughs> but I didn't say that. I said, you have come early. No, I heard it ugly. What? <laughs> early and ugly are not the same. But sometimes you just want it. Like some of the kids in school, I don't know your school time, but there are some kids say, why are you looking at me? <laughs> okay? They just want to fight you. I, I say to myself, if I'm looking, how did you understand that I'm looking at you? Unless you were looking at me, you would never knew or know that I'm looking at you. So why did you look at me too? <laughs> but then the words will create animosity and then fight. Okay? So, Samia, listen. Allah described in the Quran the companion of Rasulullah as good listeners. And they said, We listened. We listened. Not just we listened and we didn't hear anything. And we have become obedience to the word you said because we heard what you said. Sometimes you listen, but you don't hear anything. Yeah? Like the person said, Yes! Subhanallah. And there are a lot of different words of saying yes when somebody is calling you. Yep! You! I? Huh? And in my language, they always say two things. Say na'am or bala. Na'am or bala. These are two good words. But don't, don't use all those other things. Okay? Because it doesn't make sense. Use the right word to say the right thing. Okay? So... Listen to the words. Then your tongue, if Allah helps it, will say the right thing if it has to be said. If it has to be said. And the next word is salam. 
peace. My first talk here about was about peace as well. Salah. And to be honest with you, if there is no peace, there is no life. Life is peace. And therefore, when you hear the people who have got a lot of troubles and they are in drugs, they say, peace, man. <laughs> they don't know where they are. They are, all, they are all over the place. Because everybody is looking for peace. The hippies were looking for peace. Uh, uh, the Rastafarians, they were looking for peace. And they were all using <laughs> to find the peace. Can you find the peace that way? Of course not. But that's the way because they need guidance. And the guide is Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, ultimately. And we are supposed to be following the teacher of guidance, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to give that guidance. But are we doing it? Of course not. Because if you look at our Muslim Ummah and Muslim land in particular, every morning you put the television, the radio on, you put your... There is no peace. From Magdishu to Islamabad, from Islamabad to uh, Kuala Lumpur, everywhere in the Muslim world, there is problem, there is fighting, there is argument. Are we saved in this community? We are not. We have the same thing. So we need to find. Why? Because there is no peace in our hearts, so our tongues are working out saying terrible things to one another. The third letter is Alif. Two names in the 99 names of Allah that links to this is Awwal and Akhir. The first and the last. Who is the first and the last is Allah. He was there and there was nothing and then he created everything and he will be there and there will be nothing but him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your tongue, the same thing. It can either be an opening for you for good or a demolition and you're finished. Don't let your tongue be the destructive side in your living and life, but make it the beginning for every good that you adhere to achieve in your life, inshallah. That is very important. And the last letter is noon. And this is absolutely wonderful. One word, Noor. Allahu Akbar. Noor is a huge thing. Allah is Noor. The angels are Noor. Guidance is Noor. The prophet of guidance, Muhammad is Noor. The word of Allah, the Quran, is Noor. And therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he described in the Quran himself said, Nurun ala nur. Light upon light. Allahu nuru samawati wal ard. Allah is the light of the heaven and the earth. That means everything that comes from Allah in the way that we are to live our life to be good and to achieve good and to succeed to the goodness of the hereafter and to be in the presence of Allah, it must be from the light. Muhammad has come to take us out of the darkness to the light. What nur? This light? The light of goodness. The light of happiness. The light of joy. The light of helping, supporting, guiding, standing. And therefore, it is important to think that everywhere that comes from your tongue that can bring that light will be the best thing you have done in your life. When you go out, remember, don't say anything unless you feel what you say is going to be resonating in the heart of those whom you are saying to or talking to that 
there is a light that will come out of them or shine before them or guide them in their life or make life easier for them or make them see the good that you want them to see don't put them in difficulty that is lisan according to the way I think we should think about it that's the way I think of my tongue it's a small little organ but think carefully wherever there is troubles wherever there are arguments wherever there is fighting or even somebody being stabbed or shot or even killed if you go back to see what happened it's always the word that has been said always aware somebody said somewhere it doesn't happen with nothing and therefore this little organ is the best thing that you have yet is the worst thing that you own another description I can give to it it is the most cowardice of all your limbs your hands will put themselves up and say come on Put your hand up. Let us fight you. Your head can be used for butting and everything. Okay? Your legs for kicking. Okay? Your stomach for taking punch. Your face for taking whatever slaps. However, your tongue is quick to say things, but yet quick to hide behind the lips, the teeth. And therefore they say, when you wake up in the morning, and your spirit is grateful to Allah about waking up again to use the body, the whole body is seeking refuge in Allah from the tongue. All your limbs are saying, Oh Allah, please save us from him. <laughs> the arm is saying, Look, yesterday I was broken. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. It is him. <laughs> the eye said, Look, I got a black eye. I said nothing. I uttered nothing. It is him. The teeth said, Look, I'm broken because of him. Your lip is uh, cut because of him. Your face is cut because of him. Everything that happened to you to cause you pain, I promise you, none of your limbs have said nothing. But it is your tongue that initiated the pain that happened to you. And this is something important. It has two directions. Your tongue can either be the lead for obedience and you're living a life, or can be the lead for the opposite disobedience. Literally meaning, the tongue can be your lift for happiness through faith, iman, because when you say, I'm a believer, you say it by your tongue. When a person wants to declare their Islam, they say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. He doesn't come and say, look, I'm not talking. I'm not saying nothing. But trust me, what you want me to follow, I'm following. But say shahada. No, I'm not saying it. Once you say that, you're not a Muslim. You have to say it. For Rasulullah said, faith in the heart, we cannot see. But we can see the deeds of what you believe in through your good actions. However, if it is to be proven, it must be said by the tongue. And then proven by the actions. Al-Imanu ma waqara fil qalbi wa al-amal Faith is that which is being entrusted in your heart and can only be proven through your actions. Okay, so Iman through the Shahada or the declaration of faith is by the tongue, which is the highest. La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. There is none worthy to be worshipped but Allah. Beautiful. We call it the beautiful words. We call it 
the good word we call it the highest word الكلمة العالية الكلمة الطيبة الكلمة الجميلة there are many names for it لا إله إلا الله the prophet said خير ما جئت به أنا والنبيين قبل لا إله إلا الله the best that I brought and the prophets before me is لا إله إلا الله so that what your tongue should think about if I'm saying the best thing then I should stick to that and all that which will lead to that and avoid the opposite however the transgression through the tongue could lead to kufr by what you say قالوا ثلاثة Allah when he said about the Christian why they rejected him as the one because they said three Allah said قالوا ثلاثة who said ثلاثة those who said were Christians you are Christians Allah is one Isa is one your Injil is the book that can guide you to him the one from where did he bring three Allah will ask Bani Israel those who followed Isa in the day of judgment أأنت وأمك قلت للناس اتخذوني إلهين من دون الله did you and your mother said to the people take me as God beside me so we are three now your mother me and yourself Isa will say عليه السلام إن كنت Look at his tongue. What beautiful tongue it is. I to say, look, Allah, they were miserable. They were wicked. They were evil. I never told them this. They just punished them. Take them to hell. Nuh said, what did Nuh say? Rabbi la tadhar al-ardi min al-kafirin My Lord, don't allow any kafir, any rejecter of faith on this earth. Destroy them. And Allah did. Ibrahim, alayhi salam, ask Allah to punish those who do. Allah did. A lot of prophets, they find it nice. Sayyidina Yunus, alayhi salam, did not just pray for them, he ran away from them. <laughs> and Allah tested him by the well for the fish. Subhanallah. But Isa, alayhi salam, when I wanted to listen to this gentle tongue, he says, if I said it, oh my Lord, to them, or my mother did, you'll be aware of it, for you know everything. However, if you punish them, they are your servant. You created them. You can do anything to them. Just like the mother who is in public so angry with her child and slaps him and he's like, excuse me, you shouldn't do that. Excuse me, he is my son. What is to do with you? Because she believed it's, I own him. I carried him for nine months. Where were you when he was kicking me in the stomach? When I was sick in the morning? When I was ill in hospital? Where were you when I was delivering him and dying in bed? Where were you when I was cleaning him when he was filthy and dirty for two years? And slap him again. <laughs> she owns. So your mother, don't argue with her. When your mother says anything, say, Ma'am, you own me. Definitely you own me. If there is anybody who owns you, your mother. Ummuka, thumma ummuka, thumma ummuka. If the Prophet made it so, he said, if you want to go to heaven, don't run far away. It is beneath your mother's feet. Let me be good to her. So I used to massage my mother's feet. What do you want? I said, Allah, I want nothing. Because <laughs> when you do these things, you want something. <laughs> so be good to your mother. So Sayyidina Isa said, if you punish them, they are your servant. However, if you forgive them and show them mercy, you are oft forgiving most merciful. Look at what a beautiful tongue. What a beautiful tongue. Today when two children are fighting in the playground and I walk around and they say, excuse me, teacher, Sheikh, he says this to me. He said this about my mother. Okay, come here. Make peace between them. They shake hand. When the other one goes, they say, excuse me. 
I said, what is it? You haven't punished him. What? You haven't punished him. They want punishment. Everybody wants punishment. All of us, when we feel we have been treated unjustly, what we are looking for, we are looking for punishment. And I promise you, the majority of us feel glad when somebody whom we hate or dislike has been kicked. Only those whom Allah show mercy, they don't like it. Isa doesn't want to see people being punished. Muhammad sallam, when they asked him to pray, to ask for anything he wanted at that time, he was poor. His community was poor. He could have asked for the gold of Mecca to be manifested in the mountain around it. But he said, I don't want that. He left all the prayer that he could have asked for to support himself and his da'wah for the day of judgment so that he can seek refuge in Allah and intercede on behalf of the people. Which people? Those who were so good, those who made small sins that they're going to the hellfire to be clean. He said, Shafa'ati yawm al-qiyamah kabair min ummati. My intercession in the day of judgment is for the people who committed the biggest sins. The rapists, the killers, the thieves, uh, the gamblers, the drunkards, everybody who did big sins. And we said, La hawla wa These people, he's going to go and salvage them. As long as they have a fraction of an atom weight of iman in their heart. So keep that iman in your heart. Believe in God. And that will be sufficient for you. But if you want more, pay more. Everybody can go to a hotel when they go for a holiday. But between a bed and breakfast to a seven-star hotel, there's a big difference. In London, you can go here in Kilburn High Road and find yourself a best seat calling themselves a hotel where there are cockroaches, <laughs> where there is dirt on the pillars and there is dirt in the spreads on the bed. And uh, when you go to have your breakfast, as they say, bed and breakfast, mm, there is tea on the saucer. It's not looking clean. And they say, well, you only paid 10 pounds. <laughs> what do you expect? But if you go to the Savoy Hotel in the Strand, you can question it because you are going to pay about five, 600 pounds per night for your room. It's a big difference. So in the day of judgment, if you want to go to Al-Firdaus Al-A'la and to be with Muhammad Sallam, then do. Pay for it. Your payment is through good deeds. Salim, the day where no wealth nor children will benefit you, only a pure heart. And by the way, your ears, your eyes, your tongue link to your heart. What you see could be a benefit or punishment. What you hear and what you say. So this one is the hardest. Your tongue. Now, if we look at the tongue as a little piece of meat, an organ that Allah has given to you to use, in the Quran Allah mentioned it. And if you look at it as a language, okay, or a dialect, a language, Allah also mentioned it in the Quran. The word lisan in the Quran is mentioned ten times. You can remember this. Good. Ten times in the Quran, Allah speaks about lisan. And also, it's mentioned in eight surahs. Because in two surahs, Allah mentioned the word lisan twice. In ten surahs, the word lisan is being mentioned. As a udu, or as a, an organ, in your body, 
in Surah Al-Balad, Surah number 90, or the city Mecca, verse number 9, Allah said, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ألم نجعل له عينين ولسانا وشفتين Didn't we create for him, meaning the human, two eyes to see through, and a tongue, and two lips. And by the way, subhanAllah, it is a wisdom. Allah didn't say we give him a mouth. You can have a mouth. The mouth is the opening. But the instrument of talking is the tongue and the two lips. If you have no lips, or one of your lips is not, you will not be speaking properly. And if you have no tongue, your lips cannot speak by themselves. So you need the two lips and the tongue to be able to speak properly. And then he said in Surah Al-Qiyamah, the day of resurrection, Surah number 75, verse 16. When the Prophet used to receive the Quran from Jibreel, Jibreel used to come to him, not to read to him and rehearse with him like us we do. We teach the Quran, I teach Quran. We sit the person, read after me, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Bismillah ar-Rahman, and they keep repeating. The Prophet, when Jibreel used to come to him, he wanted to listen to his recitation and repeat by his tongue. Allah commanded him, do not utter it by your tongue, O Muhammad <coughs> Just listen to it, Allah. Because it was like the fast recording. There are recorders, you can put a 90 minute or 60 minute recording, and you press a button, jish, three minutes recorded. True or not true? Just like that. His recording was like that. He will come and hold him. And because Jibreel is a spiritual, a spirit, no physical body, he will link to the spirit inside. And the two spirits, when they are linked, the Quran, as word of God, are spiritual as well. They go straight away from the spirit to the spirit. Straight away. My sheikh used to tell us when we used to speak, how? It's difficult to understand. But he said, Hadithu ruh lirruh yasri. The dialect or the speech or the talk of the spirit from the heart to the heart it penetrates. If somebody is speaking to you from the heart, it touches you in the heart. If suddenly somebody is talking, and you never cry, and suddenly you find yourself tearing, don't say, why am I crying? You have been touched. Your heart has been touched. But if the words go from here to there, and when the words are finished, you can't remember anything, you are not touched. The talking of the spirit to the spirit, it does touch or connect. So Jibreel alayhi salam used to speak to Muhammad sallam in his heart. And Jibreel alayhi salam as a spirit touching the spirit of Muhammad sallam the Quran used to remain there. That's the way it is. So la tuharri birza. Here Allah is talking about the physical tongue. Don't put in motion your tongue on Muhammad. So that you can rush or hurry with it to recite it to the companion. In Surah Taha Taha is a beautiful surah. I recommend it for anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about Muhammad Sallam and his character. Read Taha. Beautiful surah. A lot of people read Yasin, but I like Taha. If you read it a lot, you will cry, I promise you. If you listen to the words. Taha. Ma anzalna alayka al-Qur'ana litashqa. O Taha. Taha anha. Taha. Ma anzalna alayka al-Qur'ana. We have not revealed this Qur'an for you so that you can kill yourself. Live in difficulty. Have no ease, no peace in your life. To struggle without an aim or an end to this aim. We have revealed it to you, O Muhammad, so that you can have ease and peace, tranquility in your life and your 
living. Illa tazkiratan limay yakhsha. It is only just a reminder to those who will fear. The Quran is not for everybody, by the way. Those who fear, those who have a mind to think, those who have hearts, when they listen to it, it will touch them. Because it's spiritual. If your spirit is covered, it's not going to touch you. Abu Lahab and Abu Jahal, they used to listen to it every time. It never touched them. Otherwise, they could have converted. But Khalid ibn al-Walid, who was the mighty warrior of the Arabs, they used to sing songs about him. He was defeating every group fighting Quraysh. And they prepared him to fight Muhammad in the conquering of Mecca. When he entered with Abu Sufyan to the tent and came out, he asked, which of them was Muhammad? He thought those who were dressed in beautiful garments, they were describing to him, like Uthman, okay? Abdurrahman ibn Auf, they were, they were rich. They were very handsome in their ways. When they pointed out Muhammad to him, he said, he must be him. Because he didn't need to wear the glitter to show himself to be the man. He was the glitter himself. I looked at him, so he said, give me a moment. Where are you going? He said, just one minute. He left them all to try to plan and plot how to fight him. And this is their man. Their women were singing inside Mecca. He took all the rings because they used to show themselves with the rings. And the metals that they wear and the gold, the chains. SubhanAllah, today, a lot of the musicians and the footballers and the bas- big studs, they show everything. This is what they do in Jahiliya, used to do like that. So avoid that. SubhanAllah, he took it all off. And even some people say, he took even the clothes that he was wearing outside to show his warrior side. Went inside and kneeled in front of the The Prophet knew the man was taken from the heart. What do you want, Ya Khalid? What are you asking for, Khalid? Tell me about your faith. He told him a few words. He said, I believe. When he went out, they were coming in Abu Sufyan. What did you do? He said, I, I believe in him. What? I believe it. This, this, is, this is true. I haven't seen him before. I haven't sat with him. But by Allah, there is nothing better than this that I have here. I will not fight for what I'm for. I didn't have anything to fight for before. Only women singing for me. And men taking me out and buying me drink, allowing me to get out of my shell to show that which I am not a, the same. When you are drunk, when you are singing, when you are shouting, you are not the same person. So all of them, then they came, Abu Sufyan, all of them, they took shihada. Now read Surah Taha, you will find benefit in it. In it, in this Surah number 20, by the way, verse 27, Allah says, وَحْلُ الْعُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي this is Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. وَحَلُ الْعُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, they say when he was young and the queen and her women found him in the river in the little basket that his mother and sister put him in. They took him in but they were worried. He was one of the children who were born as the male in that year. If the king or Pharaoh find him, he will kill him. So they took him in. And then they hit him. But a baby cries. And other, other wisdom, so that he can find him and allow him to live. Otherwise, he will ask, where this baby came from? So when Pharaoh found him, he said, he must be killed. Because all the newborn should be killed, because otherwise he will grow up and kill me. Little he knew this is the one who is going to kill him. Not literally, but by drowning in the water. Subhanallah, in order 
to make him think he's just a, just a baby. He can't do anything. His wife was saying, look, come on, he's just a baby. It is a little baby. And the women were saying, oh, come on, please. There was fire. He was crawling towards it by Allah's permission. And they say, he touched the fire by his tongue. And they said, look, if he really knew what he doing, will he do that? And then he said, oh, yeah, just a baby. Take him away. And therefore, he had this stamina or status, okay, whereby he could not speak properly. And therefore, when Allah asked him to go back to Pharaoh and confront him and speak to him and address him and give him the message, he said, I can't. Why? Because my tongue. I have a problem with my tongue. So, oh Allah, please allow my tongue to speak properly. So every time we want to address people, talk to people, we should read this dua. They will understand my word. Okay. Some, some scholars said as well it could mean language. Okay. Oh Allah, make my language that I speak is easier to be understood. But that's fine. When we come to the word lisan as language, I will also quote three surahs. Number one, Surah Ibrahim. Surah number 14, verse number 4. Ibrahim. Allah said, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا بِلِسَانِ قَوْمِهِ لِيُبَيْنَ لَهُمْ We have never sent a messenger only with the language of his people so that he can make it easy for them to understand, to clarify for them. Imagine if today we receive a messenger in England and he speaks Dutch. Are we going to understand him? Only those who speak Dutch. I don't understand Dutch. So I need to find the translator or an interpreter. So the language the message is delivered through is always the language of the people who are receiving the message. The Arabs received the Quran in Arabic because they were Arabs. The Jews received it in Hebrew because they were Hebrews. They speak the Hebrew language. Okay? I don't speak Hebrew. The only thing I can say in that is Bokir Tov and Arab Tov. Because there is Arabic in it. Bokir Tov meaning good morning. Arab Tov meaning good evening. Ir meaning late. Bokir meaning bukra meaning early. Bokir Tov, Arab Tov. So you learn two Hebrew words from me. So you mean the Jewish man say, this lady, the, so you can say to her, Sakina, Bokir Tov in the morning. Bokir Tov. And in the evening when you're going to say, Arab Tov. Yeah? So you have learned something. The next one, in Surah Maryam, Surah number 19, verse 97, 19, verse 97, فَإنَّمَا يَسَّرْنَاهُ بِلِسَانِكَ لِتُبَشِّرْ بِهِ الْمُتَّقِينَ وَتُنْذِرْ بِهِ قَوْمًا لُدَّى Surah Maryam, by the way, is a beautiful surah. If ever a woman who is pregnant, want her pregnancy to go with ease, and Allah will give her a wise child to be born, who is full of mercy, obedient to her, she should read Surah Mary while she's pregnant. But if she wants him to be handsome, <laughs> Surah Yusuf. <laughs> you know. You know. Okay? Indeed, we have made it easy through your tongue, O Muhammad, so that you can give the good tidings for those who fear Allah. Because those who fear Allah, when they listen to it, they will adhere to it. They understand it. And to warn those who are confrontational. A lot of people don't want to listen. They want to confront you straight away. If you are a da'ya, 
you need to be wise otherwise automatically you will find people who want to fight you be wise in what you say what you do always when you argue with people use the best language the easiest language the softest language and always be ready to say I'm sorry forget about it walk away Adaya doesn't confront because it will end up ugly okay Allah said to the Prophet it's not upon you to guide it is your job just to deliver the message Imagine the postman who is bringing you your letters. He standing and said, read them. <laughs> <laughs> what? Read them. I want to make sure you read them. <laughs> Allah is so wise. Uh, I, I always, when I look at the Quran, I read it and say, why did Allah say to Muhammad, Allah said to Muhammad, what did he do to, <laughs> for Allah to tell him this? It's not upon you to guide them on Muhammad. Why did he say that? Because you can't go and deliver and say, excuse me, you must believe in it. When I walk in the street now in London, I find some brother standing there, excuse me, you're going to hell. <laughs> How do you know I'm going to hell? No, you must believe in what I believe. Why should I believe in what you believe in? Because I'm saying the truth. How do I know you are truthful? Well, look at me, I'm dressed properly. You are showing your body. Who says so? I have a beard, you don't have a beard. Does it make any sense? Very silly. You don't make da'wah like that. Once you put yourself in a position, you are more better than me, you know better than me, I don't want to know. The Quran is so wise, seriously. All the little messages Allah gave to Muhammad as his da'iyah, the leader of all those who made da'wah, invitation to people, he tells them little things like that. Be clean, speak gently, be wise, be humble, Okay? Don't show off. Don't say, I am inviting you. Don't say, I'm going to do it. I will show you. So, inshallah. Even if inshallah, it was meant today, when we deal with the non-Muslim here, they say, oh, you say, inshallah. That means you're not going to do it. <laughs> All the non-Muslims, seriously. I hear a lot of them say, when the Muslims say, inshallah, today, that means they don't want to do it. I'm careful in using it with them. Seriously. I'm very, very careful. In my language, when I talk, I always say, inshallah. But when I'm writing to an English, I always, if I have to say, because I, I can't say something I'm going to do without saying, inshallah, I put in bracket, God willing. They take it more serious. They say, inshallah. Some brothers put it in very strange writing or in Arabic and then translating it in English. I am a Muslim. Look at me. Inshallah. Or those who send you a letter, writing Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, so beautiful. You don't know where they're going to throw it. Who's going to walk over it? Be very careful. <laughs> Let us respect the language. Okay? And I look at the language as letters. When I say Alif, I always see Allah. Seriously. A man who was walking around the streets of Medina, every little paper written on it, something or, okay? Whatever is written on, collecting it and going and finding a place, okay, and then burning it, and then finding water, and then putting it in water, and then up digging a hole and burying it. Somebody asked him, why are you doing that? He said, I'm frightened somebody will walk over a letter. What for? Because if it is any letter, 
it will indicate upon a name of Allah. So if somebody walk over Alif, I feel like they're putting their shoes or their foot above the name Allah. And so on. So when you see somebody collecting rubbish in the table, even in London, the papers, carrying all these things, don't laugh at them. We don't know who they are, what they are doing. Respect. Maybe Allah is making them do that which we can't see to remove away the punishment that is coming upon us for what we are doing. The last one is Surah Al-Rum, the Romans, Surah number 22, verse 30. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ خَلْقُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ أَلْسِنَتِكُمْ وَأَلْوَانِكُمْ This is a very nice surah to read, Surah Al-Rum. In it there are things. Allah tells us about discrimination and the lack of appreciation to what we receive, the greed. There are too many beautiful things in that surah. I like it. In fact, some of the reading I read every day is of this surah. In the morning and the evening I read to remind me. And here he says, And of his sign, the creation of the heavens and the earth. When did the last time suddenly you looked at the heaven and saw the stars? When did the last time when the sun came out, you didn't say, oh, wonderful weather, and you wore nice clothes to go out and sunbathe, whatever, and you just said, how wonderful the sun is. How beautiful creation it is. And linked it to the benefit that we receive. Okay? For the vegetation that is green, for the rain that comes. Because without the heat, there is no evaporation, there is no cloud coming together, there is no rain falling, there is no life. The sun is everything. It's the source of life on the earth, the physical source is the sun. But let me tell you, scientifically, whether they know it or not, the essence of the sun is water. The center of the sun is ice. Water is the essence of every living thing. And this is real. Our scientists will tell you. Everything has water in it. And the differing of your tongues, your languages. Today, children laugh at, <laughs> what language are you speaking? That is bad, that's haram in Islam. But we, we laugh at one another. The Pakistanis, because they think they speak Urdu, they laugh at Bengali. The English, they laugh at the French. The German, they laugh at the Swiss. Every. The English, they laugh at the Irish. Why? This is haram in Islam. And we will talk about this in a minute when we come to the troubles of the time. So the differing of the languages and the dialect that we speak, there are signs in it. And also the differing of our colors. I promise you, all of us sitting in this room here, we're all different colors. Some of us are similar, but there is not two people always equal in color. Always there is difference. Just like the differing of your creation of your, okay, end of your fingers. Allah says, to show how careful he is in returning us after our death, even if we are being scattered on this earth, when people burn bodies and say, please, scattered my... Uh, ashes on the Ganges or the Nile or over the earth in the desert so that Allah be collected, Allah will collect you. Even the tips of your fingers will come back the same. And there is no human being, his fingertips are equal to somebody else. The Basma, 
We call it in Arabic. What do you call it in English? Finger prints. And the same thing for the teeth, by the way. Yeah, same thing. When we look at the wisdom, I like wisdom and I like poetry because in it there is a lot of good things. The Arab say in a very nice saying, Lisanak husanak. Your tongue is your horse. If you look after your horse, it will look after you. But if you deceive your horse, it will definitely deceive you. It can kick you hard. Yeah? It can kick you. Be careful. It can bite you. It can kill you. Horses are very clever. In fact, the most precious creature after the human living on this earth is a horse. It's the most noblest creature. Do you know that a horse who's well proportioned in his creation, very beautiful and handsome looking, very strong, faster running, if you want to breed it and you bring him to his mother, he will refuse. You know this is his mother. How many times a drunken person or a drug person who will do the same thing with his sister or his mother and doesn't know what he's doing? That's why it is forbidden. Okay. Oh, you who believe, do not stand before Allah to perform your salah, addressing Him, the Almighty Subhanahu wa Taala, and you are drunken or drugged until you know what you are saying. Big difference between us when we are not drunken or drugged. Some people say, "Why don't you drink?" Or because we are fearing to be doing things that we don't know. Not because we don't want it. Yes, there is goodness in it. You can have happiness. But I don't want just happiness that is fabricated. I want genuine happiness. I want to really be happy from my heart. Okay? Taus, one of the good men, the pious men, okay, of the Arab community, said, Lisani sab'un. Lisani sab'un. My tongue is a beast, a wolf, a cheetah, a lion. Those terrible creatures, when we see them, we run away from them. In arsaltahu akalani, when I let it go and I speak as it likes, it will eat me. It will destroy you. As I said earlier on, when suddenly you find your eyes blackened, don't blame your eye, blame your tongue. Yeah? Now, this beautiful peace Allah has given to us, this beautiful creation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enhanced us with, what can we do about it to maintain it? The only thing I can tell you is to use it to say good, to praise Allah and to praise everything Allah will be happy with us praising like praising the prophets, praising Muhammad Sallam, praising, generally, praising, use your tongue to praise Allah. Okay? Your mouth is also used for eating. But we are asked to watch what we are eating, halal or haram, and we are asked to limit what we eat and how much we eat. But when it comes to our mouth and our tongue to speak, Allah said, in dhikr, indulge. There is no limitation. A lot. So that's the idea. But anything else, avoid. Now, 
Afatul Lisan. When I look into the people who have written plenty about the tongue, there is no better writer. And you correct me if I'm wrong, maybe somebody found something else, but in my life, learning, teaching, there is no better writer writing about these elements, this subject, better than Imam Al Ghazali. In his book, Ihya Ulum al Deen, he has a whole book called Kitab Affatul Lisan. The book of the ills of the tongue. And he mentioned in that book 20 ills, 20 things, if you don't avoid, you're going to put yourself in trouble. I'm not going to speak about them in detail because this requires for every subject a lecture. Or for every subject, a day for learning. But I'm going to just give a brief description of each one. But first I give you all the 20 areas. So at least, if you do not sleep by the end of what I'm going to say, you remember those 20 things and you avoid them. There are other scholars who spoke about the tongue. Ibn al-Ghayim al-Jawzi, mashallah, spoke. Before him, people like Ibn al-Arabi, Imam al-Junaid. These are the, the huge, the mountain of knowledge in Islam. And I promise you, and Allah is my witness, the best scholars, and may Allah save them and raise them and give them success in the hereafter, better than the scholars whom they call themselves Sufis. In fact, if you go and look at the libraries, the encyclopedia, books of knowledge are written by them. And anybody else, I will challenge all of them. Bring me one scholar who is not one of them who would have written something that will be better benefit than them. Start from the beginning, Al-Hasan al-Bisri, Ibrahim ibn Atham, Zannun al-Misri, Rabi' al-Adawiyya, Umar ibn al-Farid, al-Junaid, al-Karakhi, Abayazid al-Bastami, Mahaddin ibn al-Arabi, Abdul Qadir al-Jailani, and I can go on. These, they have written the mothers of the book. If you want to learn Islam, you learn from the better books. If you want to go to any college or university, because you are researching as a student, you are not like a primary or secondary school, you are given the books, this is your reading, you're going to find your reading yourself. In a primary school, you're given the books. Or your mother goes to WHS Smith and buys them for you. <laughs> but in university, a lot of students, when they get to university, they get lost. And many of them fail because they don't understand the system. While they are lecturing you, they are giving you your reading. They don't give you the books, they just give you what to read. You go and research it yourself. I don't know how it is done today. You have got the iPod and the ear pod and the leg pod. I don't know what is it. You go and find your pods and you Google and you research. But in my time, we just go to the librarian and she doesn't help us. You go and we used to have those booklets and those sheets by letters and we look at it. Either you find it or you don't find it. Index. The index. Thank you. May Allah bless you. You see, that's the language. Very important. So, it is important to realize where you can get the knowledge from. I'm saying this because when you are going outside there, there is a lot of misinterpretation, misunderstanding by new young comers to the market of knowledge and da'wah who are saying, don't look into the books of those who are called Sufis. Why? Well, they're not all there. Why? Have you seen the dirwishes what they do? 
Did the Prophet do that? They bring the negative things, but they don't realize. Is this Sufi? What does Sufi mean? Sufi means the one whom his heart is purified for Allah. In fact, if you read the books of those who were not Sufis among the scholars of the past, when they cause something of purity, of high knowledge, they say, I passed so and so the Sufi, and I found peace for him, and I learned this from him. To show how they used to respect those people. People ask me, are you a Sufi? I say, I wish I am. But I was taught by them. And I only read their books. I'm sorry. I don't read any other book because I don't know. If you have Sennesbury's and you have a corner shop, where will you go to buy your shopping? I ask. This is Sennesbury's, where I can go and buy my loaf of bread for 60p. And this is Mr. Khan. His loaf of bread is going to be 120. I'll be foolish to go there. And by the way, when I was in London, I got married new. I didn't know anything about shopping because I used to always buy, like student, buy from the corner shop. When I got married, my wife didn't know anything. We used to go and buy everything from the corner shop. One day, my mother-in-law asked, where do you buy your shopping? So I said to him, the corner shop. No wonder all your money is going to the corner shop. Where can we buy shopping? Go to Asda. Go to Sennesbury. What? Where are they? You know where we ended up to go and buy? We used to go to cash and carry. <laughs> Where the man in the corner shop used to buy. So we, instead of buying two, five bars of chocolate, we used to go and buy a box. <laughs> a box of Mars, a box of, uh, they used to call it the Marathon. I don't know what they call it today. We used to buy it, and it used to go until it got out of there, because no wonder we put weight. <laughs> so what are the ills of the tongue? 20, I said. Number one, speaking of that which does not concern you. Speaking of that which does not concern you. This is dangerous. You should never do that. Number two. Fudul al-kalam. Indulging in conversation about things that you have no knowledge of or things that have no value. Some people just love to talk. Yes, talking. And some people listen to them. Mm, I'm a good listener. What are you listening to? As much as he's wasting or she's wasting her time, you are wasting your time too. Because time will be questioned in the grave. Your time and how did you spend it? Oh, well, I had an old neighbor who just loved to speak and I just listened to them. What? That's a waste of time. Indulge in something of benefit. Number three. Indulging in conversation that is false. Don't. Some people say, well, I'm just joking. Not acceptable. And I'll prove to you. Number four. Al-mira' wal-jidal. Argument. Argument by the tongue. By the way, there is no argument in religion. We don't argue. Religion cannot be argued. It's either you take it or you reject it. La ikraha fiddin. No compulsion in religion. Anybody who thinks religion could, should be enforced doesn't understand the Quran and doesn't know who Allah is. Because Allah said to Muhammad It's not upon you to guide them. Allah guides whomever he wishes. Because then you are thinking yourself something else. Number five, Al-Khusuma. Al-Khusuma literally meaning 
using your argument through the tongue to cut your relationship with somebody else. You don't want to speak to them. Like today's people, speak to the hand. <laughs> don't talk to me. I'm angry. We were speaking properly, but you said something that upset me. Now I don't want to look at you. And therefore, even when you make peace with somebody, it's not considered peace until you look them in the eye and you see them as you were seeing them before the argument. But if you say to them, look, I'm going to forgive you, but I would never like to see your face again. You haven't really made peace. Allah command the Prophet said O Muhammad, when you make up with somebody, make it beautiful. I'm asking the question, is it beautiful when you say to somebody, okay, I forgive you, but I don't want to see your face? Is it beautiful? Not beautiful. That means you are still angry with me. What my face did to you? That means when you see me, you are still angry with me. If you really forgave me, when you see me, you see me as before. There is nothing in the heart. Okay? That's called khusuma in Arabic. Number six, التقعر في الكلام التقعر Two difficult letters. قا أنعه التقعر في الكلام Showing off your eloquence in speech. Some people, they try to. أيها الناس اسمعوا وعوا فإني أقول لكم What about this? <laughs> We can only speak you our language and try to speak. Yeah, It's very funny when you hear a foreigner trying to speak the Queen's language. It makes me laugh. <laughs> Just speak, for goodness sake. <laughs> it sounds good in her, but it doesn't sound good in you. Have you seen our foreigners who try to be very, very English? Hello. <laughs> when once have to. What is this? Speak proper English. That's the proper English, maybe. As they say, but speak like the people are speaking. Be normal. Say it as it is, isn't it? Say it as it is. Don't, don't, don't show off. It, doesn't, it looks ugly. It doesn't look nice. Number seven. Al-fuhshu was-sabbu wa-bada'at al-lisan. Rudeness, insulting and swearing, and vulgarity of the tongue. Today's people are being taught to do that through your media, in your films, even to the children in cartoons, in your songs that you listen to. It's all that. Rudeness. How could somebody be rude singing, swearing? It's not a song. This is haram. It's forbidden. I prove to you. If you ever sit down and say music is haram, something is wrong with you. Because music is not haram. What is haram in music? It's the language you use. If your language is insulting, is rude, is vulgar, you are using a swear word, it's forbidden in Islam. But you can sing. Because singing literally means praising. And who's so mad to say praising is wrong? Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha came from a wedding party. And the Prophet used to encourage them when they go for a wedding party or celebration, they should sing. And Aisha, did you sing in the party? She said, yes, we sang. What did you sing? We teased the other party. We said to them, we are bringing the groom to your bride, but our groom is more handsome. Our gifts we brought are more expensive. The literal meaning of it like that. It's what they do. In Sudan, we sing, say, Umm al-Aroos, jina 
the mother of the bride, we have come to you. We have brought our lion. <laughs> he might be a mice, all they know. <laughs> but we dress him properly, put him on a horse. <laughs> His uncles are pumping him up. Show your chest. Show, be a man, son. <laughs> the mother of the bride, we have come to you. We brought our lion. <laughs> Uh, and they bring the bride dressed and the perfumes and the way. Ah, we are showing you the beauty here. We are much better. And it is all just fun. Okay? The Prophet said to her, Yeah, Aisha, it should have been better if you use some Islamic slogans to praise Allah as well within your songs. So we can use that, like the nasheed of today. It's nice. So he gave us like a fatwa to say, You can sing nasheed. Nothing wrong with it. Okay? It's fine. And you can sing any song you feel, as long as you are praising. Number eight, Allan, cursing. Have you heard people always? May God curse you. I curse you, man. May you be cursed. And you hear the American saying it in their accent. I don't do American accent, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> How could you curse somebody? You can come forward if you want to sit in the place here in the front. People who come late, they can get the best seat in the house. Oh, they are moving forward. They are saying, no, don't come forward. <laughs> you want to come forward? You can come. Son, move this way. Or you can sit there. Salam alaikum. Welcome, welcome. Oh, fine. So, cursing is wrong. Number nine, al-qina wa shi'r. Singing and poetry. But, don't think about it are forbidden or wrong for time, but I'll show why. Number 10, Al-Mizah, joking. Not general. Number 11, Al-Sukhriya wal-Istihza, ridiculing people and making fun of them. Number 12, Ifsha'u Sir, revealing people's secrets. Number 13, Al-Wa'd Al-Kathib, false promises. Number 14, Al-Kathib Fil-Qawl Wal-Yameen, lying when you speak or when we are making an oath. Number 15, Al-Ghiba, backbiting. Literally like somebody eating your back. Seriously, because... It's, it's not good. That, that's, the, that's the worst of them. Number 16, Annamima, spreading rumors. Number 17, a person with two tongues, saying something behind your back and saying it to please you in front of your face. That's a terrible person to be with, especially if that person claimed to be a friend or a colleague that you work with. It's no good. Number 18, Al-Madh. Praising. But going beyond the limits. Praising is good. But I'll explain why praising sometimes is no good. Number 19, Al-Ghafla an daqaiq al-khata fi al-kalam. Being neglectful, not aware of what you say in things that are very sensitive. You need to watch what you say. Okay? Not the outcome of what you said. Watch what you are saying before you say it. And the last one, number 20, 
السؤال عما لا يجب سؤاله asking that you should not ask now if Allah help me I'm going to go as fast as I can through these things but before I do that Imam Al-Ghazali says why the tongue could be so dangerous that can end up leading you to the hellfire and remaining there forever like if you are committing shirk praising God beside Allah and the benefit of being silent the Arabs say in fact it's a, it's a wisdom by Dawood alayhi salam إذا كان السكوت إذا كان الكلام فضة فالسكوت من ذهب داود عليه السلام said okay to his son Suleiman in the wisdom my son if silence sorry if talking is silver then silence must be gold and the Arab claim it to be an Arabic wisdom maybe but I, I, I believe it is Dawood عليه السلام Ibn Maz'ud رضي الله تعالى عنه the companion He's a very beautiful man, Ibn Mas'ud. And I always advise to please read the stories of the companions. Ibn Mas'ud was a young man, beautiful man, who loved the Prophet very much, who was very, very poor, but he became a servant of the knowledge of Muhammad, especially when it is the Quran. And he's one of the highest muhaddithin, those who reported hadith from the Prophet. I love him very much. And especially what he said about a special surah. Anybody know the surah he spoke about? The surah that makes your life easy and never allows you to put your hand out to ask or beg. And if you read it, you'll be content. Waqi'ah. Oh, you know it. When he was dying in his bed, Ibn Mas'ud, Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas, a rich companion, a very eloquent man, a noble man, came and sat by his bed and said to Ibn Mas'ud, I feel so sorry for you, not just that, for your daughters. He left three daughters, not married. You leave three daughters who are so young But you left nothing for them to look after themselves. All of us today, we work, we say, well, I'm working hard for my children. I left them a house. I left them something. I left them money or whatever, inheritance. And I said, I have learned from the Prophet that which I'm leaving behind with them. If they can keep, they will never need anybody. But they will be able to help others. Wow. What did you learn from the Prophet that I didn't know of? That will make them live a better life. I learned that if they read Surah Al-Waqi'ah every day, they will never need anybody else and they will never open their hand. So if you really want to be sufficient and content with what you have, little or more, every day read Surah Al-Waqi'ah. إِذَا وَقْعَتِ الْوَقْعَةِ Okay? When the hour is going to take place, Al-Qiyamah. That's a good surah. So what did he say in this hadith? He said, I was in the Safa. Safa and Marwa are the two mountains when Hajir ran and then Zamzam was initiated by Jibreel alayhi salam. And today when we go, we do it as Sha'ira or a part of Hajj or Umrah. While he's standing on Safa, he read this prayer or dua. Ya lisan, qul khayran taslam. Oh my tongue, say good, you'll be saved. Waskut an sharrin taslam. And keep silent from evil, you will be saved. Min qabla an tandam. Before you regret what you said. So Ibn Mas'ud is making his own dua like that. A man said to him, Oh Ibn Mas'ud, أيا عبد أبا عبد الله هذا شيء تقوله أو شيء سمعته is this something you initiate yourself from your own wisdom or something you heard because the man wanted to know if I you heard it that means you heard it from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم it is 
something that I should, I should also learn. If it's your own, it's up to me to pick it or not. This is to show those people used to value the sunnah. And the sunnah is what the Prophet said, what the Prophet did, what the Prophet approved. Whatever of these three they hear of, they want to carry it. Because if you carry it, you become closer to Prophet Oh, Abu Abdullah, is this something that you initiated yourself or something you heard? He said, by Allah Almighty God, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ سَلَّمْ يَقُولُ I heard the messenger of Allah saying, إِنَّ أَكْثَرْ خَطَايَ بْنَ آدَمْ فِي لِسَانِهِ The majority of the mistakes the son of Adam will make will come from his tongue. This hadith is reported by Imam al-Bayhaqi. رضي الله تعالى عنه ورحمة الله عليه. أبو هرير رضي الله تعالى عنه said, من كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر فليقول خيرا أو ليصمت. Abu Huraira reported the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Whosoever believe in Allah on the last day, when he speaks or she speaks, they should say good or be silent. There's no middle way. Don't say, well, I didn't really mean that. I didn't intend to say it this way. I wish I didn't say that. Come on. Please, before you say what you want to, in, to say or you intend to say, think don't regret what you said because if you don't think and you say you will regret okay so if you believe in Allah on the last day okay as reported by all the muhaddithim this hadith is my backbone of making me say the good wallah I was taught from childhood and I thank Allah I'm not just saying it to say that I am good in this since I was taught I was a child I can never remember in my life neither me nor my member of my family my brothers and sisters ever used our tongue to say anything to insult or to swear and when I hear people swearing I, I find it very strange how could you swear because I don't want people to swear at me they say the one who threw, threw the pebble shouldn't be mad when somebody throws a stone at them. Oh. Just like the, they say, uh, the one who have one tooth, Allah has the one with two. You see? They say, ah, look, you have only two, but you have one. <laughs> you see? So if somebody throws a little stone at you or a pebble, if they throw back something bigger, don't, don't be mad. You, you started it. Okay? Be careful. Okay? So say the good. Otherwise, be silent. Ma'ad ibn Jabal, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the companion, said to the Prophet advise me. I think he's the only one in the companion, and whenever he gets a chance alone, he says, please, awesten ya Rasulullah. Most of the hadith are like that. Ma'ad ibn Jabal, radiallahu ta'ala. Ma'ad, the son of the mountain. I like his name. Okay? Awsten ya Rasulullah. Advise me, O Messenger of Allah. I am asking you the question. Imagine yourself all the time around the Prophet. You want the moment just alone with him. And suddenly you find yourself alone. Nobody to see, nobody to hear. What would you ask him? Don't answer me now. Think about it. I know what I'm going to ask him. There is one thing in my heart. I always wanted to ask him. And Allah has given me the opportunity, not literally, but in my dream to ask him. Yeah. Yeah, I, alhamdulillah. So, but you should think like that. Because we are spiritual. If you are spiritual, always thinking, you will get it. 
So I'm giving you the scenario. Imagine yourself all the time around the Prophet ﷺ, companion running, imagine Aisha, imagine Fatima, imagine Hassan al-Hussein jumping on his back, imagine when he was sitting, planning things, doing things in the market, when some of the companions joking with him, laughing with him, when he was racing with Aisha. I always put like that thing, try to imagine. Put a picture in front of me. And then, imagine suddenly he's alone, and nobody inside to see you, or him, or to hear both of you. And you have the opportunity to ask him one thing, what would you ask Rasulullah? And inshallah, maybe Allah will give you a chance to ask him. Because Ma'az always asks him many times. The Prophet said to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Oh Ma'az, worship Allah as if you see him. Be like the little child in front of his parents. Would he do wrong? No. Because he's watching them. They might slap him. Tell him off or not give him that which he likes. So the, a child in front of his mother or his teacher, all the teacher's pets sitting in the classroom. The little one is sitting there. Because they know that the reward, a little star. Little, what do they do? But the children like it. Or a sweet or a nice word. Wonderful. You look so beautiful today. They go home. Oh, I love my teacher. You know why? Because they said, you look beautiful today. <laughs> which is nice. Okay, so think of yourself like a little baby in front of his teacher or in front of his parents. Would you imagine them to do something wrong? No. So worship Allah like that in everything you do. Worship that means act upon what you believe in Him in everything that you say or do, as if He is watching you. Subhanahu wa taala. Would you put a foot wrong? Never. Or say a word wrong? I don't think so. And consider yourself among those who are dead. No more time to do good. How would you behave? And if you will or wish, I will tell you something better for you than those two things I said already. Or from all that which I have uttered already. And he pointed by his finger to his tongue. Watch your tongue. Better than worshipping Allah as if you see him, because nobody can do that 24 hours. Better than considering yourself dead. Imagine you are enjoying yourself and having fun. Would you think you are dead? Ah, oh, no, I'm still alive. Nobody thinks he is dead while he's alive. Better than that, just watch your tongue. If you can watch your tongue, you'll be all right. Now let us go through those areas, and I give you an evidence for each one as quickly as I can. And I'm sorry if I took long. Al-Kalam fi malayani speaking of that which does not concern you. And Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallam, Abu Hurairah the companion reported that the messenger sallallahu said, min husni islam al-mar tarkuhum malayani. A sign of one good faith, one good Islam, he's leaving alone that which does not concern him or her. Once you become a person who wants to know what's going on, don't be among those who say, what's the news? There are people who say that. Seriously. Uh, excuse me, I, I just have a meeting inside in the staff room, like a teacher. A teacher said, I'm just seeing the head teacher. When they come, what, what's going on? What happened? What, what do you want to know? I didn't tell you. <laughs> but the weird thing is when somebody is getting married and all the girls and the boys waiting, the boy come back and say, what happened? And the girl says, how was it? <laughs> oh, it was good. Come on, don't be boring. Tell us. Spill the beans. 
and the words haram of that which you say by your tongue is when the husband or the wife come and describe what they did in the bedroom forbidden today it is in the television tell us all about it give us the gossip <laughs> gossip is haram but today you buy the newspaper to read it you put your iPhone to read the gossip gossip is salty you're buying it when you pay for your thing your iPhone and this you're buying gossip when you pay for your television license you're buying gossip seriously be careful don't listen to gossip otherwise you'll be questioned about it in the day of judgment because my lord I had never listened to any gossip I'm a good Muslim I prayed my five paid my zakat and everything what about the television you used to watch and the gossip programs and the newspapers you used to read and the gossip column well it was just in the newspaper but you bought it you paid for it be careful make sure that you don't read it or listen to it because you don't want to be accused okay this hadith by the way reported by Imam Tirmidhi one of the muhaddithin the hadith books are too many but six that you should know of are equal to the Quran to me in value because they report the hadith that is important beginning with of Imam Malik okay and ending up with the four imams okay other than Malik who reported hadith that is Ja'far al-Sadiq Ahmad ibn Hanbal Imam al-Shafi'i and Abu Hanifa but in between there are those who collected hadith only purely just for the sake of hadith Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, Nisa'i Ibn Majah and Abu Dawood the six and then there are others Ibn Abi Shayba and many يعني, I can go on in Abid Dunya but at least Bukhari and Muslim are very famous but they are not the only a lot of people of today who just want Sahih hadith, they say, it is in Bukhari. Why? Because otherwise not Sahih. That's not true. Sometimes I quote hadith, I say, well, reported by Ibn Abid Dunya. And the people who learned only Bukhari, so I say, excuse me, who is he? I say, well, he's one of the muhadithina, and I cannot be Sahih. And some of the hadith in Ibn Abid Dunya, you don't even find in Bukhari. And they're correct. You see, it's correct. That is very important. Number two, Fudul al-Kalam. Indulging in conversation about a thing that has no value. Chit-chatting, gossiping. Okay? As I said, people today, they pay for that. This is in the Quran. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم لا كثير من نجواهم إلا من أمر بصدقة أو معروف أو إصلاح بين الناس. سورة النساء verse 114 سورة النساء Surah number four. Surah number four. Al-Fatiha, Al-Baqarah, Ali Imran, Al-Nisa. I thought that I said the numbers because if somebody jotting down, it's easier. Surah number four, verse one, one, four. There is no benefit in a lot of their indulgence in speech, gossip, and talk. Only the word that is good to say to enjoin right or justice or good or to help others in doing that or making peace between people it's what Allah is saying a lot of the people who are sitting around you Muhammad when you see them sitting they just go somewhere walking at your road people say it's the Muslim road because the Arab road not all the Arabs are Muslims and not all the Muslim Arabs are good is it? that is a false claim but when you go to your road what do you see? Women with hijab, men with beard and misbahs in their hands. 
you see other things. You see a lot of haram in the street. You see a lot of things done, things said, which are not right. And if you go into those shops and you go in the basement in some places, there is belly dancing and there is things that we need to be careful of. Okay? I am asking you, those people sitting in the cafes and the restaurants and the places, especially like in the day-to-day like this, what are they talking about? Are they talking about Jesus Christ, Son of Mary? Are they talking about the Day of Judgment? Are they talking about good? I don't think so. Even if they are not talking about bad, most of the things they are talking about the Eurovision Song Contest from last night. Or the cup, Chelsea winning the cup. Or they are talking... But is it of value? Is it going to help us? Is it going to bring you good deeds? Some of the talk you have, the chit-chat, the gossip, is not bad. But it's not going to bring you benefit. So why are you indulging yourself? Why are you wasting your time? What Allah is trying to tell us. وعن أنس بن مالك رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم جزاكم الله ألف خير طوبى لمن أمسك طوبى لمن أمسك الفضل من لسانه وأنفق الفضل من ماله طوبى by the way is a special place in paradise granted for special people who do special acts or in fact, say special words that bring goodness. The Prophet said here, this place will be given to the one who will hold the extra word that he wants to say because he realized they're not going to bring me any benefit. I'm going to keep my tongue to myself. However, to the one who has got extra money, extra material goods, that he can share with others who have not. You have more garments. You say, oh, this person doesn't have them. Look at the way he dressed. You take and give to them. You are walking in the street. Somebody is putting their hand. You put your hand in your pocket. Oh, I have more money I can give. So it is better to give from your wealth and share it with others rather than giving from your words and you don't know what you are saying. And if you can do that and balance yourself, you will be in a good position. Number three, indulging in falsehood. Or talking about false things. In the Quran Allah said, many people will bring force in the day of judgment to question them. Why did you put yourself in a position like this to be receiving my torment and punishment today, my servants? What have you done? You know the reply to Allah? We have done every good. We went to the mosque. We prayed our salah. We fasted Ramadan. We listened to the beautiful Quran. Even we went to the shop called Room is cave, but listen to Sheikh speaking. <laughs> However, when we left him and left all that, we sat under the sun shade and under the umbrellas of the cafes and indulging gossip with the gossipers. We didn't know that what we are doing is wrong. We didn't say bad, but we said things that we should not have said. You understand? So be careful. This is Surah Al-Muddathir, verse 45. And Allah remind us all when we are in a majlis, in a sitting, sisters with sisters, brothers with brothers, or those who are mixing together, sitting, talking as colleagues. Once the people talk about something that they should not talk about, about somebody who not, alaykum assalam rahmah may you go in peace, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Welcome. Once people indulge in things they should not indulge about, backbiting, topics that they are not supposed to talk about, bad things, 
Allah says to you, فَلَا تَقْعُدُوا مَعَهُمْ حَتَّى يَخُوضُوا فِي حَدِيثٍ قَيْرَةٍ إِنَّكُمْ إِذَنْ مِثْلَهُمْ Do not sit with them until they change the topic that they are speaking about and indulge in another, رحمكم الله, indulge in another, okay, subject. If not, then you are equal to them. Don't say to me, look, I was there. They were, they were really saying bad things about him, Sheikh, but I didn't say nothing. What were you doing? I was just, just sitting there. Were you listening? Well, I was not listening, but I heard what they were saying. <laughs> I always tell the children, don't drop your ear. And I mean it literally. If you drop it, I'm going to walk all over it. I said, oh, Sheikh, don't say that. Because children they always feel the words. Don't say it like that. Like the children, when they say, their brother and sister say, well, mommy said, don't watch television. We're going to watch it, but don't say anything. Yes, yes, I'm not going to say that. The little one, three, four years old. I'm not going to say that, I promise. And then when mommy comes, the door open. Mommy says, ah, and the little kid goes, mommy, mommy, what did you do? We watch who? <laughs> what he's trying to do? We take the word back. Can he take it back? He cannot take it back. Okay? Same thing. Okay. Don't sit with people who are saying bad things because literally you are enjoying what they are saying. Literally you are listening to what they are saying. The least you could do is to walk away. The better things to do is tell them please refrain. But if by telling them that they might be abusive, they might argue with you, they might think, well, whom do you think you are? Because a lot of the people don't understand how to do da'wah. Da'wah is to invite people to refrain from the wrong and to do good. Then don't. Because there is asalibu da'wah, methodology of how to invite people. Maybe one day, inshallah, we can do our talk about that. Because even in talking to your friend, your mother, your father, some, some of us become a little bit religious, they go home. Ma'am, for goodness sake, he's not your cousin. He's not your brother. Look at the way you, you are talking to him. That's haram, ma'am. This is your mother. How could you address her like that? Or the one who thinks he knows everything. Ma'am, where did you buy the meat today from? Why? Ma'am, you don't know halal and haram. You just go to any shop and buy Are you feeding us halal or haram? <laughs> you go and buy. You have got a bank account. You have got money. Go and buy the halal if you have the halal money. Don't insult your mother for goodness sake. It's, it's, it is sad. Astaghfirullah Okay. And Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal. Ibn Mas'ud, by the way, the verse I just recited is Surah An-Nisa, verse 140. I'm giving this for people who research, they can find it then. If they want to take it further. 140 for Surah An-Nisa, Surah number 4. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the companion, qal, qal Rasulullah sallam, a'azamu al-nasu khataya, yawm al-qiyama, akhtarahum khawdan fil batil, al-tabarani. Okay? The greatest human beings in sin in the day of judgment, those who indulge a lot in that which is false. Keep away. Falsehood definitely is going to lead you to hell. Keep away from it. Number four, Al-Mira wa Jidal. Okay? Argument and showing off in argument. Al-Murai 
is the one who shows off not by the way they dress or by the way they look because there are different showing off somebody look because they look they are handsome there are some of the kids when they go on to the barber they write letters and they do their hair this way and that way like peacocks <laughs> you see them in the morning coming. or those who didn't go to the barber they bought a gel and you see them in the morning they try to show off i always make joke with them you see or those subhanallah among the women who buy a lot of different makeups did you see the new eyelash <laughs> did you see the new eye lips or whatever <laughs> all those things huh? stick what do you call it <laughs> lipstick <laughs> how do you see how rosy the cheeks are <laughs> and the brothers who like to design their beards <laughs> their mustache and <laughs> you don't this is one way of showing off sometimes some people like to show off with the garment they wear some people like to show off by the way they walk. Uh, like we are literally like birds, you know. The birds, when they try to marry and have their families, they some of them they do dances, they do walks. <laughs> it's lovely. That man who does the animal programming BBC, what's his name, David? Uh, I love his program. Really, when I watch the program, it increases your iman, and he's so good at it. Seriously. He brings the best shows. May Allah guide him to that, which is good. I like this kind of, this is the kind of program to watch. Because when I watch, I say, subhanallah. Yeah, I remember once he showed the, this program about ants in Africa, building hierarchy. My goodness, this little thing, building towers. Seriously. And inside it's divided, broken, where the queen lives, where the food goes, where the soldiers. And he was showing it in details. This shows the glory of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he tells us the truth, we need to do I wish Muslims can do these things. It would be a good thing to have, inshallah. Okay? And, and, and Ibn Abbas, عنه, Ibn Abbas, by the way, Al-Abbas Ibn Abdul Muttalib is the uncle of Rasulullah. Do you know how, how many uncles who became Muslims? How many uncles of the Prophet became Muslims? Two. Hamza and Abbas. The rest, they did not. The Prophet had Okay? Eleven. Two of them. Some of his aunts also became Muslim, but the two of them, Hamza and Abbas, very famous. Hamza, who died in Uhud, and Abbas later on. Al Abbas have a son. Al Abbas, in fact, he used to call, and the Prophet used to call him Hibbi, mean my beloved. He loved him so much. And Abdullah is his son. Abdullah, when he was little, the Prophet took him and carried him and gave him. What we call tahnik. Tahnik is when a baby is born, okay, after reading adhan in his right ear and iqam in his left ear, and then, okay, putting some honey or date in the upper part of his mouth and letting the child to suck, you recite Quran and make dua for the child. It's called tahnik. The Prophet وسلم, made dua for Abdullah ibn Abbas. Allahumma faqihu fiddin wa allimhu ta'wil. Oh Allah, teach him the understanding of the religion and allow him the comprehension and the understanding okay, of the Quran. So the best professor of the Quran is Ibn Abbas. He's a beautiful young man. There are four Abdullahi. Abdullah ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the muhaddith, the poor man, Abdullah ibn Abr ibn al-Asu, alaykum as-salam, warsami, Abdullah ibn Abr ibn al-Asu, wa Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab. 
these are very famous four. I'm mentioning there are other Abdullah, but these are the famous four who were scholars. Yeah? So that you need to think about them. Ibn Abbas, Abdullah, he said, Qala Rasulullah sallam, la tumari akhaka, wa la tumazihu, wa la ta'idhu maw'idan fatukhlifu, rawahu al-Tirmidhi. He said, do not show off falsely to your brother. Do not joke with him a joke that will lead him to be upset with you. And don't promise him a promise that you are unable to fulfill. How many times we do that? Seriously. I promise you. And then your promise is false. <laughs> and then the accusations are mounting. Okay? And you cannot defend yourself. Why did you do that? Why did you do this? And then argument and then bad feeling in the heart. Okay? It is really, really important for us to treat our brothers and sisters in Islam through blood or in faith or in humanity. To treat all humans with respect. When we speak to them, we speak to them with decency. We say to them that we will please Allah, His Messenger and them. We'll make them be fonder of us. We'll make them want to listen to what we are saying. Rasulullah said, Man al Whosoever leave showing off in his speech or argument, Allah will build him a high house in paradise. And the one who stop arguing and showing off in his argument, although he knows his argument is false, but he left it because it's not good enough to continue. Allah will build him a house in the lower part of paradise. What I mean here, sometimes when we are arguing with somebody, and you know you are right, and you know the person in front of you is about to die, just like imagine those bullfighters in Spain. They know the bull is finished. Why do you have to? You see, you know your brother. Yani, it, it, on the floor. You knocked him once, he's on the floor. Don't go around and knock him again. You see those fighters when they fight, they drop the person yeah, and then they kick him with the foot. He's already on the floor. Leave him. If he had the strength, he would not fall. Once somebody falls down, if somebody, you could see from their face, they're wrong. They can't carry on. Don't carry on. You're arguing with them. You are right. Enough is enough. In the boxing ring, when two fighters are fighting, who stops the fight? Who will stop it? The judge, the referee. Once he says somebody, oh, come on, he had enough. For goodness sake, you are going to kill him. Uh, no, no, I'm still standing there. He not even can't see properly. But you want to show himself a man? He's trying to prove himself. Well, I'm still here. No, 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 no. Go. And he'll say a few words in his ear. Look. Your feet or your leg cannot carry you anymore. Not in order to continue fighting. You want to be damaged? No, no. Alas, you're defeated. The referee is there doing something good. Not something bad. So we need to really understand. Okay? If you are arguing with somebody and you are right and they are wrong, don't make them feel bad. Stop. If you really stop for the sake of Allah and you know what you are saying is the truth, 
Allah will build you a house in the highest place in paradise. But sometimes when we are arguing, we know we are wrong. Did you clean the house? Yes, I did. But you didn't. I know you didn't because I know this. I left those things like that. They will never move. Look at the dust here. Look, look, look. I said I did it. I did. I said to you. Would you say, Wallahi, I did? I, Wallahi, I did. Astaghfirullah. Oh. You know you are wrong and you are even swearing by the name of Allah that you have done. You know what makes you do this? Shaitan. He keeps pampering you and pushing you up. Come on, prove yourself. You allow him to argue with you like that. So your argument is false and you continue. But if you realize your argument is false and then you say, I don't want to continue. This is wrong. Astaghfirullah. I'm doing something. I'm going to stop. Look, look, look. I didn't clean. I'm sorry. Allah will build you a house in the lowest part of paradise. Although you are false. <laughs> so this is to show you, don't argue an argument that will lead you into difficulties with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Abi Umama, another companion of Rasulullah sallam, No people will ever go astray after they were guided, only Allah will replace their guidance by argument. And I think our nation today is like that. I'm sorry to say that. We the Muslims of today, but the Muslim in general, I'm talking about the Muslim of today, and to be specific, I'm talking about us as Muslims. When I go to universities, colleges, I see all these different groups fighting one another. You are Salafi, you are Sufi, you are Tahriri, you are this, you are that. And when you are right, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell, you are the right one, you are the bad one. And uh, oh, don't join them. Are you with them? Don't go to them. I go to some cities to do talks, and the brother says to me, why did you go to that mosque last time? I said, why? They invited me. But Sheikh, it's not good enough. Why? They're no good. When I go to other mosques, oh, we saw you last week in that mosque. You should never be going there. But they're Muslim. It's a mosque. I'm not in a temple. I'm not in a, a place where they are worshipping idols. They're no, 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 but they are this. They are that. I'm not with this or that. I'm with Allah following Rasulullah Sallam. We should all be like that. The interpretation of different groups for the knowledge is their interpretation. If they are right, may Allah reward them. If they are wrong, may Allah correct us and correct them. This is my teaching. If anybody advise you, say to them, Look, keep your advice to yourself. And I'm seeking Allah's guidance and wisdom. That's it. Don't, don't enter into this thing. I, all Muslims are Muslim. There is nobody wiser than Rasulullah. He says, Man qala la ilaha illallah, dakhala al-jannah. Whosoever says la ilaha illallah will enter paradise. Who am I to say anything? One company said, Ya Rasulullah, walaw sarak walaw zana. Even if he steals and commits adultery, he said, walaw sarak walaw zana. And he went on asking me anything that, and that company was a badr. He said, Rakhmi anfa abadr. Despite the note of abadr, they will enter. Even if you don't want him to enter. Because there are some believers, they think, well, if this person every day is enjoying himself, going to pubs, parties, drinking, he can't enter paradise. No way. You are not entering. You are not even smelling it. <laughs> Who are you to tell me that? Are you Allah? <laughs> people are like that. I always laugh at people like that. Who are you? If Rasulullah is going to save Ahlul Kabair, the, the big sinner in the judgment, if I'm a sinner, my hope he will save me. Imagine if Abu Bakr Sadiq, the pious man, the best of men ever to walk with a companion, or to be a companion for a prophet or a messenger. He's sitting next to the Prophet, a man who gave his wealth to Islam. 
A man he gave his family to Islam. A man he gave his life to Rasulullah. You know that he was once beaten so much because of his love to Rasulullah. When he came back to his mother, he was never treated like that in his life. People respected him because he was a rich man. His mother said to him, "If only yes, I know you love him. He's your friend. Then don't show yourself around him." He said, "By Allah, I will never do that. Because if I do that, that means I am doing it against what I believe in." I believe what he said and what he does is the best thing. Why should I? Jibreel comes alayhi salam and says to Rasulullah Ya Muhammad, O oh Muhammad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is conveying salam to you and to your companion Abu Bakr. And saying to you to tell him that Allah is pleased with him. Is he pleased with Allah? When the Prophet said it to the Abu Bakr Sadiq, he started crying. Imagine if this is me also saying, Allah Akbar. <laughs> Ah, I need to think about this. Astaghfirullahaladzim. <laughs> what is there to think about? Allah is saying, Allah Almighty, I am pleased with you. That means Allah is going to get him to, his place is guaranteed in paradise. He already the Prophet told him, you are one of the ten who is going to paradise. You know that there are ten guaranteed paradise. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, okay? Talha, Zubair, and so on. Ten of them, they are guaranteed paradise. Allah guarantees that. These people, because they gave everything to Allah. They never put a foot wrong. But he is number one. And he is the only Khalifa to die in his bed. Everyone else is killed. Umar was killed. Uthman was killed. Ali was killed. Hassan was poisoned. Hussein was mutilated. And so on. All of them. There is nothing. The only Khalifa in Islam, in his time, there was total peace. Because he was exactly like the Prophet That means he's the best man ever after Rasulullah And he had the Creator Almighty said to him, I'm pleased with you. Are you pleased with me? What did he say? After he cried, he said, Oh Rasulullah How couldn't I be pleased with Allah Almighty after he created me and has chosen me to be your companion and to be a believer? How shouldn't I be? This is insufficient. However, what is however? What are you saying? Stop it there. No. He will never stop. Because he's genuine. However, Ya Rasulullah, if my right foot is in paradise, and my left is outside, I will not trust myself I will be in. I will not trust. Because my destiny is in the hand of Allah. We say, La hawla wa la quwata illa billah, but then we say, Oh, I sweated over it. It's my sweat. It's the hard work of my arm. I did it my way. <laughs> Rubbish. So we don't mean la hawla wa la We say Hasbullah wa wakil. Allah is our savior and he's sufficient. When the enemy comes, we run. <laughs> and Allah said, Wala tawalluhum wal adbar. Uman yuwalluhum wa maidhin dhuburuhu. Illa. Do not give them your back in the day of the battle. For if you are fighting for my sake, if you win, you raise my word. La ilaha illallah. You put the deen high. And if you are killed, you are with me alive, for you are a martyr. You are not killed. Don't give them your back. Because if you give them your back, what does it mean? You don't really believe in the two things. You don't believe that if you die, you are a martyr. You don't believe that if you win, you are going to succeed for the deen. So make your intention correct, inshallah. So Abu Bakr Sadiq, is someone special. 
Allah has given him plenty. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa Number five, al-khusuma. Okay? Using your tongue to argue with somebody to the point whereby you are angry with them that you will not like to talk to them anymore. You do not want to see them. An Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha qalat, qala Rasulullah sallam, Aisha, the wife of Rasulullah sallam, the daughter of Bukhar Siddiq, may Allah bless her. And by the way, she is the highest muhaditha, the highest leading scholar in Islam. She taught plenty. She reported a lot of hadith. By the way, the Prophet taught 7,000 women. 700 of them became muhadithat. Their stories are narrated. And I wish one day we can do a talk about the scholars, the female scholars of Islam. Because a lot of men don't give this interest. It's a very, very important subject. You see? Very important subject. But people don't give it. And a lot of non-Muslims think, oh, women are second class in Islam. Not rubbish. Okay? The Prophet ﷺ was raised by women. Isa was raised by women. Musa was raised by women. Okay? And today, when we see a man who is not strong enough, they say, well, this is terbiyat, this one. This is the, the nurturing and the raising of women. If he had a man example, he could have become a man. Rubbish. We say behind every good man, there must be an excellent woman. Yeah? Behind Muhammad ﷺ, there was Amina, and Thwayba, and Halima, and Baraka, and Khadija, and Aisha, and Musalama. All women, where are the men? <laughs> and I can go on, there are too many women. Okay. Aisha said, Radiallahu the Messenger says, In Abagadar Rijal ilallah al Aladdul Khasm. The most hated human in the sight of God, the one when he argues, he reaches a point that he doesn't want to see the person he's arguing with or to speak to. That's it. Forever. I don't want to see your face. I don't want to speak to you. Full stop. This is bad. For indeed, the one who does that, not just distancing himself from Allah, but he will have no blessing or mercy. He, sallallahu alayhi wa said, if one of you is arguing with his brother or friend or any person, and he reached a point of anger in his heart against them, he has up to three days to keep that anger. But after three days, the better of them is the one who will come and shake hands, make peace. And the better of them is the one who begins with peace or salam. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallam, man jadala fi khusuma bi ghayri ilm, lam yadal fi sakhatillah hatta yunza' whosoever argue at a time of anger with somebody, without knowledge, and then cut off his relation with that person, he will remain in the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until he dies. The best of the people who are having really good life, when you put your head in the bed, you have nothing in your heart against anybody. And if even somebody annoyed you, and made you angry, and did injustice to you, you say, oh Allah, Forgive all those whom I wronged, whether I know them or not, and bless them and raise them in paradise, and read some Quran for them, and ask Allah to write it in their books. And they say that the best to do there is to read Surah Al-Fatiha four times for them. And if anybody wronged me, oh Allah, or did anything against me, or said anything by suspicion or bad feeling in their heart, forgive them. 
Do you do that in the night? If you don't, do it tonight. But some people say, well, I forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. but wallah, no. Sheikh, no. It's too much. I'm not a prophet. What an excuse. Of course, you're not a prophet. I'm not a prophet too, but I'm supposed to do it. Like somebody going to university and they've, they've been asked to do a research and say, well, I'm just a student. I'm not a researcher. You have to research whether you are. Okay, a researcher is a student. All right. Number six. Okay? Trying to be most eloquent in your speech by showing off in talking. And Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallam, inna abgadakum ilayya wa abadakum minni majlisan yawm al-qiyama al-thartharoon al-mutafayqihoon al-mutashadduqoon fi al-kalam rawahu Ahmed. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the most disliked to me, the Prophet is saying this, the most disliked amongst you to me, the one who is most distanced away from me in sitting in paradise in the day of judgment, even if you enter it, the one who talks a lot, Al-Tharun, those who talk a lot, Al-Mutafayqihun, those who think they have a lot of knowledge and they have nothing to show off. Those who say, well, I hear that if you learn one hadith, you must relate it straight away. Hadith anni walaw ayah. Inform about me even one verse. Does it mean that? You can't just inform without understanding or putting in practice what you have. You see, because there are implications. And those who try to be most eloquent when they speak. Okay? This is silly. That is haram. Number seven. الفحش والسب والبذاء okay. rudeness, vulgarity in a speech and insulting others and swearing at them this is a big topic but I'm going to report just two ahadith here alright number one Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu قال قال رسول الله السلام إياكم والفحش I warn you from being rude فإن الله تعالى لا يحب الفحش والتفحش for indeed Allah dislikes rudeness and those who try to be rude. Some people are not rude, but you know today, to be cool, you must swear. For children who don't swear usually, but they must say the rude words to be accepted in them. Yeah. <laughs> it's silly. It doesn't, it doesn't, and I show a boy, I saw a boy try to dress and walk like a certain kind of boys in the modern kind of world. And I know he's not of that. So I said to him, why are you doing this? So after pushing him a little bit, he started crying. That means peer pressure, isn't it? You don't have to have that. Please. We need to learn properly. This is reported by Ibn Hibban, the Muhaddis. And Abi Umama, the companion, قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم البذاءة والبيان شعبتان من شعب, شعب النفاق رواه الترمذي البذاءة meaning rudeness or vulgarity in speech. والبيان, البيان meaning يعني usually Speaking eloquently or poetry, reciting poetry. Shu'batan min shu'ab al-nifaq. Two pillars of hypocrisy. I can understand the first one, being rude and vulgar in your speech or language. is not good, but what about poetry? What does he mean by that? I don't think really literally meaning poetry, but what I, I think he means, exposing that which you are not supposed to expose. You know, there are some people 
who quickly want to know what, what's going on, what's the news, what's happening. Or suddenly they're in a meeting or something being said, they can't go. Did you hear that? And then the room was spread. We should be very careful. Okay? So exposing that, which we are not supposed to expose. Or I really means, or I, I think really it means that you try to address people by being so eloquent that you are putting it off. You are showing off. It's haram. One of the ways of the explanation I always give to people is those people who try when they pray to show off by reciting the Quran. Usually they recite the Quran all right, normally, but they want to be so good. Allah, Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Stop it. When you are alone, do it. With people, just recite good. Do make it nice, but don't. And my brother, mashallah, he has got a beautiful voice. He can be allowed. But some of their voice is miserable. <laughs> if you hear somebody making azan or reciting the Quran or even singing a nasheed or a song and their voice is ugly, I give you permission to say, please stop it. That is fatwa. Allah, that is fatwa. Because they put you off the deen. <laughs> huh? No, use wisdom. Now, after maybe one day go out and just you find the nice moment. It's a brother. And if they are older than you, let somebody who knows them. We need to know how to do it. But please. Even singing a song. They put you off. Imagine, subhanAllah, you have got a, a nightingale or a beautiful uh, singing, praising bird in your window in the morning singing beautiful song. You open the window, the sun is shining, the bird is singing. But imagine if there's a crow sitting there going, oh, oh, ah, shh, go. <laughs> you don't hush a nice bird, you see. But a crow? Okay. Next one. Al-la'n, cursing people. An ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, qal, qala Rasulullah sallam, al-mu'min laysa bil'a'an, al-tirmidhi. Tirmidhi reported this. The believer, the one who believes in Allah on the last day, will never curse. I don't want to say more about this. Never curse anybody. The Arabs are very easy at it. Allah alayk. Allah takhshak. Yal'anuk Allah. And they use it. And they say to their children, Muhammad, where were you? I'm playing football. Allah alayk, ya Sheikh. What is this playing football? I have guessed I wanted you to say that you're going there and playing football. May Allah curse you. Oh. They say the worst of the people is the one who curses his own child. Because maybe at the time that, because Allah said the dua of the parent, if you are angry with your child and you curse him, maybe Allah will curse him. I, and the worst thing, imagine, oh, father is going to say, هنا يا ملعون. Come here, you curse one. Come <laughs> It, I'm laughing because it is silly. That means this person doesn't know Islam. Islam said, and this is, don't. I believe in Allah and the last day. How could I curse anybody? Don't curse people, please. This is serious. This is not a joke. Okay? Seriously. Not a joke. This hadith reported by Tirmidhi. Sahih. Somebody said, where is the evidence? Sahih. <laughs> Number nine. Al-Ghina wa al-Shi'r. Now, a lot of people say, Sheikh. Singing and poetry, 
will love it. You will hear me saying most of my books at home are poetry. It's true. I love poetry so much. But when we say ghina, when we say singing, we know that singing is made of three things. Lyrics, instrument, and a voice. Alright? So lyrics, we are talking about because it's the words. But voice, if you've got a good voice, sing. No problem. As long as you sing good songs. If you have an instrument to use, there is dispute. Some people say there is a lot of people say that. But the clear evidence for us Abyssinians, we can dance and sing as long as we are using our percussions. Mm. If you want to follow us in our Sunnah, you can. If you don't, up to you. But because some others were using their string instrument and their wind instrument for worshipping idols, the Prophet singled them out at that time. Just like he singled out the goblet of drinking alcohol. But today I'm living in London. I had never drank sherry in my life. If I went to the one pound shop and I found sherry glasses and I brought them home and I drank juice from them, they're not haram. Or I find a nice pint and I like to drink my water from it. They're not haram. <laughs> but the one who used to drink beer and enjoy it and he used to sip it, ah, heaven. And once he bring it and put his juice in it and then he drink it, ah, it reminds him of the beer, it's haram. Because you are supposed to stop what is haram and to regret yeah, that's the idea. So these things need fiqh, need understanding. Okay? So, when we say qina and shi'r, so qina, we understand. It is here we're talking about the lyrics, the words. The words of singing, if the words are good, if the words are not insulting, if the words are not vulgar, if the words are not rude, if the words are not swearing, if they're not cursing, then you can use it. Nothing wrong with it. But what is forbidden here is the qina of insult and vulgarity. Like what you have today. I'm sorry to say your time is... I never... In my time when we used to listen to songs, they were good. Very good songs. Even the Western songs we used to listen to, they're nice. Okay? If somebody is singing, oh, what a lovely day. Lovely day. So what's wrong with that? Lovely day. Oh, beautiful day. The sun is shining and the moon is glowing. So what's wrong with that? I was walking and I have seen beautiful things. That's all nice things. But today is saying, oh, if you want to be with us, you must carry a gun. And if you want to be Ma'arthis, you can kill, kill, kill. <laughs> and it's all with rude words. I cannot repeat them. <laughs> and the words I heard, a man singing, saying, hit me, hit me. Hit me? What I say to the children in school, they laugh. The kid just fall because they hear it. I say, what kind of a song is that? Hit me? <laughs> we don't want hitting or killing. It's not allowed. Okay? But poetry is the same because... The songs are of poetry. So poetry, if the poetry itself is rude and vulgar, like the shi'ir of Jahiliyyah, they used to insult in it. Okay? They used to pay money for somebody to insult somebody else. Okay. Now here. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, qala qala rasulullah sallam, lan yamtaliya jawfu ahadakum qiyhan, hatta yarihi khayrun lahu min an yamtaliya shi'ran. It is better for one of you, okay, to think of this seriously. For if one of you, his stomach is full of disease, of ills, you are coughing, vomiting, sickness from you. You are absolutely, your stomach is full of disease. It's better for you than your stomach is full, meaning 
your inner soul is full of poetry that is insulting or demeaning or off-putting to people or creating fitna argument and fighting between people this is reported by Bukhari and Muslim and therefore it is very serious to learn the good poetry yeah but when you hear mashallah sister Sakina's poetry it's beautiful the first time I heard her with her sister really Sakina when I heard you the first time in friend's house I was shocked because she, when she was introduced because a lot of the people at that time in this kind of dudes they don't invite women because their voice is haram <laughs> I was very happy I was really happy and they, 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 it was to do with Rumi I think the Mathnawi and Mathnawi the Rumi Jalaluddin Rumi's poetry it was done by Abdul Hakim Murad Winters through Radical Middle Way I think it was in Friends House Yeah. Yes. So the poetry you recited that time it was absolutely beautiful. Really, from the heart, people were crying. Some of them because they were singing the praises of Allah, Rasulullah, and looking at our ills and the wrongdoing that we do to one another in discrimination, in hatred, in fighting, and all these things we should not do or say. Okay. So that is the good poetry we need to have. Okay. And also Rasulullah says, in the indeed some of the poetry that you hear, some of it, not all of it, there is wisdom. When you hear the poetry of some of the companions like Ali ibn Abi Talib, wow. When you read the poetry of somebody like Umar ibn al-Farid or Rabi' al-Adawiyah, a woman, mashallah, wow. She is the best poet who read or recite poetry for Allah. We talk about people who love the Prophet write poetry about the Prophet okay? Like many of the of, of the poets who write, like the Burda and this and that. Have you ever heard of somebody writing poetry in love of Allah There are two great ones. Rabi' al-Adawiyah and Umar al-Farid. But in this, the highest is a woman, Rabi'ah. Nobody has ever written poetry to show that she loves Allah like Rabi'ah. In fact, one of her stories made me laugh because she used to wander in the desert. And one man who was wandering for years trying to reach the height of his spirituality, when he saw her, he was gobsmacked. Because she was so attractive and so beautiful. And he was gazing, looking at her like this. He couldn't take his eyes away from her. When he asked her, who is she? She said, I'm Rabia. He said to her, wow, I didn't know you are so beautiful. Welcome, come in. I didn't know you are so beautiful, Ya Rabia. You are looking so wonderful. And she realized he's been tested by Allah after all these years wandering in the desert. He's now not really taken by her beauty in the spirit, but her beauty in the physical form. She said to him, but if only you have seen my sister, she's more attractive than me. Wow, you have a sister more attractive than you? She said, yes. Where is she? Behind you. And he turned his back. When he turned his back, he said to him, Ruh anni, get away from me, you foolish one. You are coming here to the desert looking for Allah, but you're not looking for Allah. You're looking to satisfy your ego. If I'm telling you my sister is more beautiful and you're willing to look and see my sister, how could I trust that you are looking for Allah? <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah, not really. So all women can use that trick with your husband to be. <laughs> Test him. If he turn his head away, then no, he's foolish. Look at this wonderful woman. If you, don't ha- if you read Arabic, buy her poetry collection. I have it at home. Beautiful. Whenever I feel inside 
pain or anything, I open it, I read it and say, wow. Yeah? And Umar bin Farad as well. It's just, just wonderful poetry that they have. Okay? Number 10, Al-Mizah. Joking. Joking is good. You can joke, you can have fun, but there is a limit for joking. And joking and making fun should not exceed the limitation the Prophet made for us because you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't deceive. You shouldn't make fun in your joking. And it is hurtful sometimes. There are some people don't like joking about their community or joking about their people. And Allah taught us in the Quran it is forbidden. No men have the right to laugh at other men. And no women. If it was made one, then the women, the men will say to them, well, it is us who should not joke at men, but we can joke at you. But Allah made it clear. No men should laugh at men, nor women should laugh at women. Why? Perhaps those who are laughing at, the one whom you are laughing at is better than you. Okay? Be very careful. Okay. Rasulullah don't try to deceive your brother by showing off through your speech to them and cheat or deceive them by your word, nor go beyond the limit in joking with them. Don't, don't break their hearts. It is not really nice. Sometimes people think the best of the jokes. You know, sometimes when there is a wedding party and uh, the friend want to say things, then they, they pull these jokes. I was in a wedding once and one of the friends uh, prepared this film to show. And in the film, there are things I think the, the groom didn't like because you could see from his face. And the friend was showing them, well, I want to. Because, you know, they do these things because they go and talk to their sisters and now show us some of the pictures and some, uh, anything they do that we don't know often. You don't have to put, uh, say things that Yes, acceptable, but don't go beyond the limit because it might not be appropriate. It might even create problem between them and their partner. Okay. Al Muraa, Al Mumara, sorry, Al Mumara, in Arabic meaning to joke beyond the limit that the person you are joking with can take and make them feel upset or angry about it. Okay. Or sometimes. You are trying to deceive the person you are joking with. Number 11, as-sukhriya wal-istihza, ridiculing and looking down at someone. Allah said in the Quran, at the verse I just quoted, Ya yuhal ladhina amanu la yizkhargawma min qawm. O you who believe, no people should laugh at other people or look down at them. This is Surah Al-Hujurat, by the way. It's a very good surah to read and rehearse for understanding and appreciating. Welcome, my sister. Okay? No surah is better than this surah. If you need to learn how to treat other people, humans, brothers in faith, brothers in Islam, brothers in blood, relations, neighbors, read the surah. Very beautiful surah. Small, short surah, al-Hujurat. And subhanAllah, strange. I have learned as well, if you have pain, or there is somebody in pain, read this surah for them. Their pain will go away. Why? The only explanation I can get myself, this is me, is that because there is no pain that you ever have more painful than people breaking your heart. Mm. You hear them saying things about you. Even the children, when they say, come to me in the school, they say, Sheikh, they don't want to make me their friends. It's sad. They're pushing me away. They don't want to play with me. They just take my things when they finish them, or they eat my crisp or sweet, once it is finished, they tell me to go away. 
you are breaking their hearts. And therefore in Islam, the best thing to do is to heal hearts. We call it Jabral Khawatir. If you can heal people's hearts, then you are the real doctor. Al-Hakim, you become the real healer. Ma'ad ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Qala Rasulullah sallam, Man ayyara akhahu bidhanbin, Taba minhu lam yamut hatta ya'malahu. At-Tirmidhi. Tirmidhi, the muhaddith reported, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whosoever look down or insult or demean or put down or make fun of his brother because of a sin they used to commit. But they have repented from that sin and they are no longer committing it. But you are still making a joke about it. <laughs> you see, I remember the days when you used to do this and that. Generally, if somebody is talking about a topic, ah, you remember those days you used to do why? Why Why exposing somebody? Why? Even if he's alone with you, why reminding him of the sin he used to do? He repented. Repentance is not for you. Repentance is between the servant and Allah. And remember, every son of Adam, daughter of Adam is a sinner. And the best of them are those who repent. When you are saying it this way and making fun about the person, as if you have never committed a sin in your life. Don't look at people like that. Okay? If you do that, you will never die until you commit a sin like it. Allah will make fun with you. Allah will make you fall in that trap. Don't laugh at people. Don't look down at them. Don't see a drunken person look at you. Some brothers, they think now they know the deen. They look at you. What kind of a man are you? Sister, you should be ashamed of yourself. But why, why, why insult people? This is not the way the Prophet did it. He never said like that. He went out of his way to be the most gentle. One of his attributes, Al-Hayyin Al-Layyin. Hayyin meaning easy going. Layyin meaning soft and gentle. Al-Hayyin. Are you Hayyin Al-Layyin? In your relationship with people? In your interaction with them? You need to be. Okay? Don't do that which you don't want people to do against you. Okay? Number 12. If Sha'asir, exposing people's secrets. One of the companions called Shihab, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, قال قال رسول الله sallam, al-hadith baynakum amana. When you talk quietly between you and your brother or sister or friend or neighbor or colleague, that discussion that took place between you is a, is a trust. If you come to me and say to me, Sheikh, I want to have a word with you. And you sat with me and you talk to me about a subject close to your heart. I shouldn't go and tell anybody else. In fact, in the etiquette of leadership, and management if you are in a meeting any meeting your company director's meeting your employees meeting as long as it's a meeting concerning a running of an organization or whatever whatever that takes place in that meeting should not be exposed unless it is minuted and people can read the minutes but you shouldn't go out and speak about it it creates problems many jobs that you sign to do they tell you don't talk about your contract to others. Don't expose your salary to them because it will create problems. But some of us do. They come out of the meeting, you know. You know what they said? But please don't tell anybody. How could it be a secret then? If you are telling me that secret and you sign that you will never speak about it, how do you trust whom I didn't sign not to tell somebody else? We shouldn't tell people. Okay? Al-Hadith, The discussion between you is a trust. You should not expose it. 
Al-Hasan ibn Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu said in his own statement, inna min al-khiyana, indeed a sign okay, of deceiving someone and to hadith okay, when your brother exposes his secret to you, you go and expose him or her. Don't. You know the secret? No. They say the best of people, when they see somebody they know in a position that they did not want somebody to see them. Imagine you are walking from here, one of us, or even me. You find me somewhere doing something wrong. A sign of your goodness is not just not to expose me, is to turn your eyes away from me and as if you haven't seen me and walk, just walk. You know why? قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من ستر مؤمنا ستره الله يوم القيامة whosoever shelter a believer not to expose them Allah will shelter him in the day of judgment because the worst exposure is in the day of judgment when Allah open your book how many things that I do and you do and we think nobody knows but Allah knows as the Mbika says Allah knows Allah knows yeah in the nasheed Allah knows and that's a good song to listen to because Allah knows and He can explore. Okay. Number 13, the false promise. Allah said in the Quran, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim. Ya ayuhal ladhina amanu, awfu bil-uqud. O you who believe, fulfill your promises. Al-Ma'idah verse 1. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala rasulullah sallam, ثلاث من كن فيه فهو منافق وإن صام وصلى وذعم أنه مسلم three whoever have them he must be a hypocrite three if you have them definitely you are a hypocrite even if you pray and fast and claim to be a Muslim a believer إذا حدث كذب when he speaks, he lied. When he promises, he breaks his promise. And when he is trusted, he breaks his trust. Easy. Simple. This is a hadith you find in all the hadith books. Every companion heard and reported. Number 14, al-kathib. Lying. And you know, subhanallah, lying is so testy. Luqman al-Hakim, the wise man, said to his son, I warn you, my son, from lying. He said, why that? He said, It's more enjoyable than eating barbecued bird meat. You know, now in the summer outside, if you go and buy beautiful okay, chicken or whatever, and barbecue, it is so lovely. Okay, It's more tasty. Lying is more tasty. Some people love to lie and if the person keep lying and lying and lying there will come a time when he'll be written in the book of Allah as a liar and by the way in the sign of Qiyamah when Dajjal comes out and Mahdi arrives in the scene and Dajjal is trying to show his power exposing the kingdom of the false Iblis and Mahdi is coming to kill the Dajjal but he cannot do that until Isa comes son of Mary and he will kill the Dajjal okay the Antichrist the signs are many, but two signs are clear. The believers in their forehead will be written mu'min, believer. And the liars will be written kadib, kadab. It's very sad. Imagine you're walking around with people. No, 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 no. Please keep away from me. 
But I am your brother. But look what is risen in your face. But I can't say anything. It's there. So be careful. If Riyama comes, we don't want to be exposed in that. Okay? Number 14, I kadib. Lying. Okay? Lying is terrible. Yani, you keep lying and lying, as I said, and it's written in your book that you are a liar. One hadith people don't think of, which is beneficial. If your life is difficult, you're working hard, you're earning, but you are not enjoying your earning. Whatever you try to use your money to get, it's not really achieving what you want. There's no contentment within yourself. Then check your tongue. If you lie, that is one of the reasons. Because Rasulullah said in the hadith, Al-Kadhibu yanqusu rizq. Lying reduces your sustenance. And sustenance could be spiritual, and sustenance could be okay, physical sustenance, material sustenance. So be careful. Ibn Maz'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallam, la yadhalu al-abdu yakthib wa yitaharra al-kadhib hatta tu'in allahi kathabam muttafuqun alayh. A person will keep lying and keep indulging in the lying until Allah will write him in his book as a liar. Number 15, Al-Ghiba, backbiting. Allah said in the Quran, وَلَا يَخْتَبْ بَعْدُكُمْ بَعْضًا None of you should backbite one another. Would one of you like to eat the flesh of his brother while he's dead? Of course not. Surah Al-Hujurat, as I mentioned earlier on, this verse in it, verse number 12. Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, qala rasulullah sallam, kulla al-muslim ala al-muslim haram damuhu wa maluhu wa irdih. Muslim. All the Muslims to you is haram. You should not physically harm them. You should not physically touch their wealth without their permission. And you are not allowed to think bad or feel bad about them. That means expose them in any way through backbiting or spreading rumors about them or saying things that are not allowed or insult them, demean them, all those things. Keep away from that. People, they have got their rights. Don't touch anything to do with their physical being or spiritual being without their permission. If you do, then you are in trouble. Number 16, and namima Spreading rumors. Allah said in the Quran about it in two areas of the Quran, Surah Al-Qalam, the pen, verse number 11, Hamazin masha'in binamim. The wicked person is the one who whisper to show bad feeling about somebody else other than themselves and then takes rumors from one to another. Did you hear? Have you seen? Can you imagine? All those things said, that's wrong. If anybody comes to you and says something like that to you, say, I don't want to know. And if you are sitting in a majlis like that, people want to listen, stand up and walk away. Don't indulge. Because if you indulge, that means you approve that means you are no different. Whoa! Just like we have got a high place, especially in paradise, for people who do good, we have got a harsh place in hell called Wail. Okay? So Wail is for those people who do wicked, evil things. Okay? They will go to it from their hell. To whom? To those people who use okay, sign language to talk about others without them understanding. Or if there is three of us, two of us understand the language, and we don't want the third to understand we speak in our language, that's forbidden. Don't do that. Because you make them feel bad. Even if you're not speaking bad about them. Okay? Speak the same language. Unless you can't. Then you can't speak. Be very careful. Okay? 
And definitely don't use gestures to speak about other or address that will lead you to the hellfire. Huzayfa ibn Limar radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallam, la yadkhulu al-jannan ma'am, muttafakun alayh. None of the people who spread rumors will ever enter paradise. Because you know when you spread rumors, you always create fitna, and fitna is worse than killing. Allah said in the Quran, وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَشَدُّ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ Fitna, or creating wars between people, worse than killing somebody. قَالَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ أَلَا أُخْبِرُكُمْ بِشِرَارِكُمْ Shouldn't I inform you who are the worst amongst you? Who are the most evilest in the midst of you? قَالُوا بَلَا Of course, Ya Rasulullah. Tell us, who are they? We want to know. قَالَ المشاؤون بالنميمة Those who walk about carrying or spreading rumor. Okay? المفرقون بين الأحبة Those who break the beloved from one another. You see, people are too good to one another. You want to destroy between them. Do you know in London, in Leicester Square, in proper shops, there are people who are sitting there waiting for you to come to sell you openly things that you can do and read to destroy relationships. Magic. It's called magic. Black magic. Did you know that? And do you know there are people who go and pay for those people to do it for them? Some people come to me and say to me, do you know how to do it? Serious. And they pay good money. If you can do this thing. Magic is there. People can do it. And some people use the scripture. Injil, Quran, the Bible, the Quran. And in Christianity it's done. In uh, Judaism it's done. In Islam it's done. It's not only those people who do the voodoo in the West Indies or in Africa. Black magic. It's done all over the place. In Leicester Square, you go there. I went to a shop to find myself. I wanted to buy silver. And I could not find silver anywhere. Sheets of silver. Like paper. I needed to write Quran on it. <laughs> Subhanallah. I was sent there and I went inside. There I, I was shocked. And the shop have got young people. Young. Like you. And they're buying things. And they were inquiring, how do I do it? And there were effigies or bodies of girls. And they said, look, you read this, and then if you want to paint them in the knee, you put this needle there. Ah! Ooh. Not only in the films you watch, it's done, it is, it is there. And it, it, magic is magic. Yeah, well, magic is there. But be careful. You need to guard yourself as a Muslim. You don't know who's looking at you. Who's, there are three things we need to guard ourselves from. The bad eye. Okay, the envy or the jealousy of the envious and the jealous, and the wickedness of the human and the jinn when they send magic toward us. Sihr, we call it. The Prophet seek traffic. The Quran speaks about this. Okay, and I don't have time to speak about it now, but maybe in the future we can speak about it. I want just to finish. There are a few one left here. Okay. Al Baquna. Those who want to see bad in the people. Those who go and spread rumor. Yani, this young man, mashallah, he's clever, he's good, he's well appreciated, blah, blah, blah. I just want everybody to get to know bad about him. I said, you, did, you know, did you know this boy here? Oh, no, no, astaghfirullah. Wherever he goes to the shop, he's shoplifting. He never did that. 
but I'm just spreading a false rumor about him. And it happened a lot, I promise you. There are some people who go and ask for a girl for marriage. And everybody in the community, both families, both sides are happy. Someone will come and say, oh, no, 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 no. How would you allow your son to marry her? Oh, astaghfirullah. Why? No, 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 no. I know that if you know, you will not. But no, no, I'm not going to speak astaghfirullah. I don't want to stop good. So why are you coming then? Shaitan Rajib. Have you ever seen them? <laughs> Evil. Well, I am saying it as it is. Because it happens, and you know it happens. When somebody comes to you with it like that, next time say, Sheikh Ahmed said it, no way. Sheikh Awakar said it, no way. I'm not going to listen to this rubbish. I don't want to hear it. Go away from me. You are shaitan. Seriously. Unless we become strong and good. I had a mother. May Allah bless her soul in heaven. The only person I have ever seen in my life. Whenever I am sitting in my home. And I have good sisters just like you. They are older than me. I am the youngest in the family. Maybe I was a little bit spoiled because I was the youngest. And all those who are older than me. Two of them are ladies. And then there is a brother who was not there. And then there are another two ladies. And then there is a brother. So I had a good time. <laughs> I was looked after by a lot of girls. Once <laughs> I'm at home, they're making me tea, doing this and that, and loving me. Subhanallah, the neighbor's girls used to come sometimes, the aunties come, and they come and they want to talk about things. Did you hear? And my sister, yes. <laughs> Did you hear what happened earlier? That shouting in the street, we want to tell you what happened. We managed to see. My mother will look at it. Hajja Fatna. Salamu alaykum. Alaykum assalam. Um Kanan. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Hajja Fatna. It is so pleasurable to see and you and your daughter with us in the house here. But Hajja Fatna, you know what house is this? My mother goes like that. Showing her muscles. We try to establish salah in the house. We love you. We respect you. But please, if anything is said in this house, besides that which Allah will be pleased with, I will be in big trouble because I am the guardian of this house. I'll be deceiving my husband who's working hard in the market to earn living for those children. The barakah will be taken away. Could you please say that which is appropriate? Or please, if you can't, and that's the only thing you can utter, then I don't mind you can go back home. And I will still visit you and you can visit me anytime when you have good to say. We feel embarrassed to say this thing. But my mother doesn't really feel embarrassed. <laughs> I'll be sitting there cringing. Oh my <laughs> Seriously, you don't, mom, don't say that. Because it's like insulting to them. But she's not saying anything but the truth. They all know her. And subhanAllah, if they have a daughter to get married, if they have somebody died, they want to wash their bodies, they say, who's most pious? They call my mother. Until she died. She always used to tell me, that's the way it is. Backbiting, spreading rumor, are the way sickness. That people who do that, they're sick. If you are in that, go away. Don't. Because it's not good. It's not really allowed in Islam. Okay? The next one is the lisanain. The one with two tongues. We know a lot of people like that. Behind you, they eat you like a scavenger. They say the most terrible thing about you. Once you, ah, mashallah, I was just talking about you. What were you saying? <laughs> they will not tell you what they were saying. Okay? I don't like people like that. I always check people I am with. You see? And you know the person who speaks bad behind your back. I really, it, it, there is a sign there. Because when they see you, they act more. They try to be more polite, more good, more. And you know they're not like that. 
that will kiss the ground you walk on. But subhanAllah behind your back, especially if they benefit from you or your company because they are working with you or because they are your employee. You know? Who, is anybody here with a teacher here? In the school? Anybody a teacher? MashaAllah. You know in the staff room how we talk about the head teacher and them. <laughs> and the how is girl side? How are you? <laughs> MashaAllah. You want to see me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, miss. I want to see you later. Come and see me. Oh, you know, I was thinking about what you said last week. And once you go that way, miserable woman. <laughs> the worst place you go into, I'm sorry to say this, is the staff room. <laughs> Teachers talk too bad about parents and the children who are wicked in the school and their parents, their families, and about the head teacher and the managers. Isn't it? Am I right or wrong? I've been te- a teacher since 1st January 1988. I'm, I'm in an age now, I don't go to the staff room anymore. <laughs> People ask me, I say, because you walk in and you walk out. People might think you are arrogant, you don't want to, but no, no, I just sit in my office, I'm always busy. People come, to, I say, I make my appointment in my breaks. People come and see me. It's really bad. It's backbiting. It's talking about things, no. And I don't know about other staff rooms where in companies, and I don't know whether you have staff rooms or something. I don't know. Uh, managers, uh, and you have to be careful because people say a lot of bad things about you. So the person who have two tongues, be careful. Ammar ibn Yasir. MashaAllah. This is, you know, Ammar ibn Yasir. He is the first young man whom his parents were martyred in the sake of Allah. Yasir and Sumayya. They were the first martyrs who were martyred in Mecca. And because of that reason, and because of the punishment of a lot of the poor slaves of Mecca, who became Muslim like, okay? Uh, Zayd ibn Haritha, Bilal ibn Rabah. Okay? Those poor people. And the poor Arab themselves who became Muslim, the first hijra took place to Abyssinia. Very, very serious. I ask a question. Why did the Prophet say to those early Muslims, go across the sea to Abyssinia, a different continent, different people, different language, different food, everything. Although he can say, go to the north, Arabs, Sham, they know Sham. Go to the south, Yemen, Arabs good place to go to. Go to the east, Najd, mashallah, beautiful place to go to. Why not to go to there? Because he said to them, when you cross the sea and you go to Abyssinia, in it there is a man who is just and no one will be wronged in his presence. Who is he? A Muslim? No. Who is he? Najash, Negos. He told him, Adl, Malikun Adl, a just king, Christian. I'm saying this because next week is going to be the Jubilee. We're living here in this country. We're enjoying all the benefits. People like me, we came for good reason to this country. I came for education. Others came for living a life, make money. Others came because of persecution in their lands, war like Somalis, Algerians, okay, and name many others. Pakistanis and okay, Afghanis, Iraqis, even today Syrians are coming and the door is open. And we are having refuge. Many people sitting here, maybe that's the reason they came or their fathers came. We enjoy having the home. We enjoy having all the freedom of getting housing benefit and uh, council tax paid and, and getting a British passport, of course. <laughs> we fight for it, citizenship, and we go and put an oath. And we learn them with the new thing. Initially, we said, no, no, we are not going to do that. 
Well, Muslims, then they said, well, if you can't do that, you can't get citizenship, then you cannot get a passport. Well, well, <laughs> I do it. I do swear solemnly. <laughs> but then the Queen Jubilee coming, and there is a debate going on. Oh, no, astaghfirullah al-azim. There's no kingship. We don't support kings and queens. And... Hold on. You accepted everything. The house you live in is given to you. House, council house. You should say, I don't want your house. <laughs> Will they say that? Well, when you're not working, you're going asking for benefit. And you are saying to the people who are working, don't work and earn haram money. But your money is coming from all the haram that is earned. The pubs and the bars and the dancing and the gambling and the city. All. One of the people said to me, Sheikh, do you know, usury in this country, haram. What are you earning? I'm not working. What are you getting? Benefits. Where it come from? Oh! <laughs> Allahu Akbar, I am better than you, I'm wearing you. No, you become good. They come to me and teach you what to, how to answer. They don't come to me. They run away from me. Your benefit is all haram. At least when I am working, I'm making my money, I'm earning from the council halal. But you are not, you're sitting there earning it. Whether you fast or not, how are you making it halal? I'm not saying it's haram. Okay, it's a gift given to you. But at least you should show gratitude. Man lam yashkur lil فَإِنَّهُ بِغَيْرِ شَاكِرٍ لِلْخَالِقِ It's a hadith of Rasulullah Whosoever is not grateful to the created being who is serving him is not grateful to Allah. Are you with me? Not grateful to Allah. So I'm grateful to the queen. Because when I got that passport, it says, it's by her majesty. <laughs> I'm grateful to her majesty. When I came to England, my mother said to me, son, remember your ancestors. I said to her, what do you mean? She said, no, I'm not talking about the recent but the earlier when they came from Arabia because I'm mixed blood I am from those people who came first he said they came to our land because the person who was ruling us was just and the justice we have was from religion a religion that we received is from Isa ibn Maryam and from Allah Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore we did no wrong to anybody who came to us and they did that no wrong and therefore, we, today we are living this life and we have this deen. You're going to a land of Christian, ruled by a Christian queen. When you go there, don't try to show off your deen. Leave your deen. Be honest, be truthful, be upright. And by Allah Almighty God, people will come to you. And it happened. I never went out and called people to come. The people come to me for da'wah. So here in this country, I lived since 1977 to invite people to Islam. And I find it so joyful when a non-Muslim come to me and ask about Islam. And the day somebody takes shahada makes me so happy. I have seen over 10,000 people embracing Islam. And by Allah Almighty God and all my gratitude to Allah and to those who taught me that over a thousand people come to me. Who am I? Nothing. What do I do? Nothing. When I walk in the street, I'm just like anybody else. But Allah is doing, not me, that this man, maybe he knows a little bit of something he can tell you. Other people are saying it. They are doing it. But it's not them or me who will revert people to their origin. It is Allah. So we need to act like that. Say to them to act upon what they believe in, Ya Muhammad. For Allah is watching and seeing what they do, and the Messenger is seeing too, and the believers in the Day of Judgment, they will see. So next week, when you have the Queen Jubilee, send her a message. Praise 
that Allah has given us this land. Anybody here who is English? Alhamdulillah. Yes, you are from the land. Any Irish? Any Scottish? MashaAllah. Any Scottish? Any Welsh? Yes. Yeah, MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. So those who, those who are native from this land, we thank Allah that you open your heart and your homes to us. Do you know if you want to go to Saudi Arabia and you are a Muslim, you will never be given a visit visa. Never. You're not allowed. Only if you are going for a business and they can make sure that you are returning out so that they can make from your money or Hajj and Umrah. Otherwise, you will never get a visa. But yet, any other country in this world you want a visa to, you can get. Am I right or wrong? Anywhere, you get a visa. I always ask the question, if all Muslims want to go to Saudi Arabia to visit, just why shouldn't they get a visa? No, you're not allowed. Because they fear that you are going to come out there. Too many people are coming to this country. What harm did it bring? Wallahi, the most enjoyable city to be in, the most beautiful place to visit in the world that I have seen is London. Because you see the world in London. Look at your faces from all over the world. It's nice. When Malcolm X went to Hajj and came back and gave his last sermon, he talked about seeing people. He said, I have seen people whiter than white. People blacker than black. But I didn't distinguish between the black and white because everybody was together. Everybody was equal. Everybody was eating from the same plate. Embracing and kissing one another. Not just riding the same vehicle or going to the same institution. The discrimination in America about places and, and the white were employing black to do their job for them. And vice versa. The black were going to white. But when it comes to living and riding, there was discrimination. But there, there's no discrimination. So it is sad. It's an illness. Okay, so inshallah, I added this bit. I just remembered it because I did an assembly to the kids in the school to teach them. We shouldn't worry about this thing. We should stand as British Muslims and show our identity. If somebody asks me, where do you come from? The United Kingdom. What is your nationality? I'm British. Originally, I'm Sudanese. But I have every blood in me. Fine, nothing wrong with that. But now... I am a British person and my allegiance is to this land. My bread is here. Don't buy the hand that feeds you. The English people say. That's a statement by the English people. Yeah? Saying, don't buy the hand that feeds you. A lot of us, we do that. Look at Abu Qutada. You know Abu Qutada? If he goes back to his country, they will kill him. For sure. Whatever assurance they give, they will come and they will kill him. Because he is standing to, to remove the king. And the government there. They don't want that. Like Gaddafi. He didn't want to remove him. He was removed. But look now in this country. Who is saving him? The land. And the people of the land. No, don't send him. For what? For human rights. Yet when he is outside, he's saying, no, kuffar. You're going to go to hell. Even your queen is going to hell. But you are asking for peace in this land. Why didn't you go to Saudi Arabia? Why didn't you go to Mecca or Medina? Couldn't he have asked for that? But they will retain him back. They might not allow him to enter. But he is here. And I'm glad he came here. Because to show that when there is justice, then there will be peace. When there is peace, there will be freedom. When there is freedom, there can be worship. I came to this country, there was only one purpose built mosque in London. When? 1977. Today, there are over 450 to 500 mosques and musallas in London and there are over 80 of them around London with minarets. When you are landing in history, you see them. 
I ask you today, when you go back to Somalia today, where there is war, where Sami, if the Christians want to build churches, will the Shabab allow them? Oh. <laughs> In Saudi Arabia, will they allow the Christian to build a church or go on? No. Where is this? Where, it doesn't come. When the Christian came to the Prophet in Medina, from Bani Najran, in Medina they sat his meeting, he explained to them the message. He didn't say to me, you have to be Muslim, but this is my message. So that they can build relations to work together. His time for Salah came, said, I want to pray. He went to the mosque, he prayed, he came back. His time for the other prayer came, he went to pray, come back. Then their time for the Salah came. They said, oh Messenger of Allah, you went and prayed twice, our time for the prayer is now. He said, you are free to pray. But where shall we pray? He said, pray in my mosque. If my brother here, Qari of Quran, was sitting in the central mosque, Christian came to visit the mosque, they wanted to pray, and they asked him, shall we pray in the mosque? He said, yeah, of course you can pray. Some brother will come and say, excuse me, stop for Allah, haram. Kufr. Am I right or wrong? He will be called a kafir for doing something the Prophet himself did. And whom should I follow? You or the Prophet I follow the Prophet Let us practice the right religion. Let us practice the real religion of compassion, mercy, working together, being equal, looking at one another, not through the physical being, but through the spiritual being inside. That is my message. Please spread this message next week. If anybody says anything about the Jubilee and the celebration, say, brother, if you don't like to celebrate it, then leave it. <laughs> if I ask all the foreigners who came from Sudan, Somalia, from Iraq, from Algeria, and said to them, leave the country if you don't want to celebrate the Queen Jubilee, they will never leave. They want the celebration with you, but they, they want your good, but they don't want you. Okay. Number 18, this is the three left, Al-Madh, praising. Praising generally is acceptable, it's allowed, it's encouraged. You should always be praising things from praising Allah and everything Allah created that is good and never, never, never look at something and say something bad about it. Even if something is ugly. I always tell the brothers, whenever I go with the children to the science museum, is it the science? I think the science museum where there are all the birds. Yeah? National Science Museum. And there is a, an area where African birds. And I walk and the children, oh, this is from my country because we come from different countries. I avoid going to the Sudan section because you see the ugliest bear. Because <laughs> <laughs> the children, because they tease one another. Oh, look at your bear, they laugh. And when they come, Sheikh, do you see Sudan? I say, where is it? No, 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 come on, where? No, no, Sheikh, show us Sudan. <laughs> and you know which bear is it? Called a dodo bear. Oh my God. But even if the dodo bear can speak to you, you should not say to them, you look ugly. But true, it is really. Why it is ugly? Because it looks ugly. I said it is frightening. Birds usually are nice. A lot of creatures, when you see them, you are frightened. Only birds, by nature, you want, you want to cut off them. Even ostriches are big, but they're nice. You never see somebody running away from an ostrich. But when you see, uh, like cats, you run away from them. You see? Animals that maybe they are going to harm you. But no bird can harm you. No, I had never seen that. Even eagles. You are not frightened of them. But the dodo bird, God help us. <laughs> it's very peaceful, but it's very, very ugly. But they say, use your language, use your tongue to praise 
But in your praises, don't praise because you want to receive something. You know, there are some people who, who praise the politicians and the landlord. Yani, when you see somebody, they run to them and they say, Ah, His Majesty, His Majesty, Your Highness, Your Highness. What is this? Why do you? And they stand there, they say, and they do all those praises. Like in Saudi Arabia when I go. And I love Saudi Arabia. I love my people there. But when they praise the king, may Allah bless you for coming. I'm sorry I made it so long. It's quite long. I'm sorry, but I need to finish it. They, they praise the king in ways only Allah knows. Subhanallah. His Highness. His Majesty. His this and that. His this and that. Too many praises. But yet, if you a little bit ex- extended the praises for Rasulullah Not all of them. Some of them. I'm not making it general. I always say to them, your colleague or fellow citizen in your country stand in the media and you hear it written in the newspapers and they praise the king beyond the limitation. And you hear me, the normal poor slave who loves the prophet comes and increases his praises for him, although I am commanded to praise him, you admonish me. Why don't you admonish that first? Why are you bringing it to that? Nothing to do with the deen there. Ah. It, what is it, why? There's no distinction. No separation. We need to be very careful. Just like, for example, they come here entering, MashaAllah, this is all beautiful. Alhamdulillah. Astaghfirullah, that's, that's a horse. It's haram. Shouldn't do that. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. Pictures are not allowed. Jibreel will not enter the room. Why? Because photographs and drawings and eyes are not allowed. You go to every office of somebody who wants to be acknowledged here or abroad in embassies, in Saudi things, the king, his first deputy, his second deputy. Am I right or wrong? The first thing I do whenever I enter is astaghfirullah al Deliberately. Come on. This is... All, it's not, I'm not saying it's haram. It's not haram. But why? Why you pick on people? Oh, these Pakistanis, they don't know anything. Oh, these Bengalis. Oh, these Africans. Oh, these new Muslims, they don't know any Islam. Trying to teach us Islam? Teach yourself first. أَتَأْمُرُونَ النَّاسَ بِالْبِرِّ وَتَنْسُونَ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ You enjoin them from people to do or to say good. Okay? And you read the book and you know what is good and what is bad. And you neglect your own self. Begin with yourself. Always when you want to admonish people, advise people, see, am I doing that which I'm trying to advise others to do? Am I refraining from that which I'm advising people to refrain from? If you don't, don't say it. Then you go again to the verse, yeah? Please. This is something that we need to think about. I think that is enough in that one. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us, okay, that praising in the Quran is acceptable. Praising using the Quran is acceptable. Praising using the word of the Prophet is acceptable. Praising using good language is acceptable. But we don't praise just for reasons that will bring us a status or money or anything. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallam, inna Allah ta'ala yagdabu idha mudiha al-fasiq al-bayhaqi. Why? Because maybe sometimes you are praising somebody who openly does haram. 
You are praising somebody who is wicked to people. Somebody who is evil. I don't know how the person who stand up and pray the dictator. And he knows what he is doing. Gaddafi, may Allah show him mercy in the day of judgment. And he did a lot of wrong things. How can somebody stand up and praise him? And they know he was killing people, abusing people, or Saddam, or all those people. Or even now. You should never stand up and praise anybody who does wrong. And therefore, overpraising people whom you don't know about them becomes not acceptable in Islam. Okay? Number 19. Al-Ghafla. Neglect when you are speaking about what you are saying or what about to say. Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallam, inna Allah ta'ala yanhaakum an tahlifu bi'abaikum. Man kana halifan fadihlub billah awliyasmuh. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allah forbids you that you make an oath by your fathers. Wahiyat abuy. The Arabs are very good at it. Wahiyat abuy. I swear by my dad. I swear by my soul of my dad. I swear by my children. We only swear by Allah. Only. Wallah. Billah. Tallah. Don't use any other things. Because my children, my wife, my parents, they are very dear to me. But there is nothing more dearer to me than God. If I really want to make an oath, the best oath is by Allah. You don't go to a court and they say, okay, swear. What do I want to swear with my dad? Okay, I do solemnly swear with my <laughs> or some other thing. I do solemnly swear with your eyes. <laughs> you can't do that, that's not allowed. This is here is very difficult because you are not really watching what you are saying. Okay, watch the word you are saying, it is serious. This hadith, by the way, in all the hadith book is Manai. أبو هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تسموا العنب كرما إن الكرم الرجل المسلم لا تسموا العنب كرما إن الكرم الرجل المسلم متفق عليه أنا أبلغ عمر بن الخطاب أرسل رحمته يقول don't call alcohol alcohol in Arabic is called خمر من يسيخ خمر يعني everyone knows what خمر is you can't suddenly want to talk openly say well praise it because it is shunned by the Muslim. It's not good. If you drink it, it will take your mind away. It might make you do evil things. So when they talk about it, they praise it by different things. So they call it karm in their general speechism. So Umar Khattab said, the Prophet said, don't call alcohol karm. Don't praise it. Allah, didn't, Allah called it alcohol, that which makes you drunk. That will make you, after you are drunk, to do evil things. Why shouldn't we say that? Because al-karm or the goodness is the human who is a Muslim. I'm asking the question, is a good human being who's solid in his faith, upright and good in his humanity, in serving humanity, putting them before himself, is equal to alcohol? Of course not. That is demeaning to the human, beautiful nature of the human being. Number 20, asking that which we are not supposed to ask about. Questioning, and this is the last point, inshallah, we're going to finish, asking questions that we should not ask. And there are many. And it makes me feel sad. Example. Somebody will say to you, hmm, how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala look like? Astaghfirullah al-Azim. 
Astaghfirullah. You, you don't ask questions like that. We haven't got the ability to describe him. Because we have not seen him and we will not be able to see him with our eyes. The ability will be given to us in the day of judgment to see him by his will. Anyone who will sit here now or in the past or in the future to say I have seen Allah with my two eyes is a liar. For Allah says he will not be seen by the eyes. He will not be seen by the eyes. When Musa alayhi salam stood on the mount of Tur, on the valley of Tua, and said, Rabbi Arini Andru Ilaik, my Lord, show me that I look at you. He said, Look at the mountain. If it stays where it is, you will see me. When Allah appeared to the mountain in his glory, how? We don't know. The mountain vanished. Musa 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 fell down. Saqa in Arabic meaning to faint or to die. To me, Musa has gone. It's too big. You are standing there in the mountain and the mountain disappears. Allah Akbar. Then Allah said to him, come, stand up. Show me. And the first thing Allah showed him at that test, what is that in your right hand? This is my stick. I walk upon it. And I guide my okay, flock with it. But I do other things that I don't want to speak about. If somebody tries to fight me, I'll beat them with it. <laughs> so that means you don't say things like that uh, to others whom you respect. So he, he's, this is the way we should speak politely. Throw it, Musa. When he threw it down, became a huge serpent. What happened to Musa? Musa ran away. <laughs> The man who wants to see Allah and the mountain vanish, Musa ran away. <laughs> Allah said to him, Come back. We will return it back unto us. The Musa came back right and looking at it and the snake is looking at it. He said to him, carry it. And he was going like that. Allah said, just hold it. It's your stick. When he held it, it started to become the stick. Not magic. It's haq. Truth. You understand? That stick in his hand is now a power that will destroy a kingdom. The Egyptian kingdom. And the man who claimed to be God at that time and who stood with arrogance and said, I am your Lord the High. This stick will do that which will never be done before, then or after. Never. He will hit the sea with it and the sea will open. And the water will stand still. And water, by its nature, it runs. And the animal will walk on the bed of the sea, the Red Sea of today. Very deep, the Red Sea. People go today for diving and seeing colorful fish and eating fish by the, uh, the shore. But that's where Musa was. That's where Pharaoh drowned. Drowned in front of him. This stick became the power. Today, they, uh, the Jews are looking for it. Okay? They're looking for the covenant of Musa. This is it, the stick of Musa, the ring of Suleiman, the turban of Joseph. Tabut al-Sakinah. They call it the tabut. They have a name in English for it? The tabut. What do you call it? The, the covenant of the ark. They're looking for it. Will they find it? No. Because the malaika are holding it. Who will have it? Jesus, son of Mary, when he come back. 
he would be given all those things with Mahdi alayhi salam. This is at the end. And if it is happening, may Allah put us in the right camp. Yeah? May Allah give us the mu'min, the faithful in our faith, not okay, the one who is yani, kafir or rejecter of faith or the hypocrite or the liar. That we don't want to be accompanied in that. Alright. Alright. So asking about things we should not ask is not good. I give you another example. And this is also serious. Listen to this. There are people going around nowadays saying to you, where is Allah? When you ask them, why are you asking me this question? We want to test your faith. Did the Prophet ask that question? And if he did, why did he ask that question? What's the circumstances? And whom did he ask? Well, we are asking you to test your faith. It happened during the life of Rasulullah A girl who was very young, people were doubtful whether she's a Muslim or not, and they were frightened that maybe she's coming, dealing with the Muslims, and then becoming a spy, taking information of the child, giving it to the enemy, and this and that. So they came and complained to the Prophet The Prophet said, leave her. No, 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 we, we are not quite sure, Rasulullah. He said, simple, ask her, do you believe in God? Yes. Where is God? She was frightened. She just went, where is God? Like little children. When you, we say that, we don't mean Allah is there. Is he there? 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 We don't give a direction. Allah doesn't have a direction. Allah cannot be contained in a space or a place or a duration of time. Allah is beyond that. If he said in the Quran, وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُهُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ his chaya encompasses the heavens and the earth. Meaning, his chaya encompasses all his creation. And his chaya is like a ring compared to a desert. If you throw a ring in the Arabian desert in North Africa, what's the proportion between the ring and the desert? Huge! The chaya to the throne is so huge. Yet, his chaya alone encompasses the heaven and the earth. But is his chaya like a chair like us? Come on, we don't have to have this thing. So if somebody asks you such a question, Say to him, Allah is with us wherever we might be. Hearing and seeing what we say and what we do. And he cannot be judged by time, space or a place. That's what we believe. A man came to Imam Malik, rahmatullahi sat down in front of him, Imam Malik, third generation, and said to him, Imam Malik, explain to me the verse in which Allah subhanahu wa said, Ar-Rahman al-Arash-Istawa. The merciful or the kind one, the beneficent, on the throne has sat. He said, my brother, sitting is known for us humans. You sit on your back. That's a sitting. Okay? But about Allah is unknown. And the questioning about it is bid'ah and innovation. And I'm asking you, my friend, get out of my medlis. Don't sit with me. No companion asked the Prophet such a question. No companion. We don't talk about this thing. These are questions which are forbidden. Talking about how Allah is. We don't talk. We can talk about his attributes. Allah says to the Prophet tell them to talk about my attributes. He said in the hadith, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, speak about my attributes but never speak about how I am. Tahaddathu an sifati wa la tahaddathu an dhati. Do speak about my attributes but never utter any word about how I am. Because we don't know. If I asked you to describe something that you have ever seen, you will never be able to describe. 
when the artist were asked to draw an angel okay the christian asked so that they can hang it in the churches to show to people they drawn the most attractive human being with two wings do angels look like that of course not this is really a place we need to be careful okay abu huraira radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala rasulullah sallallahu daruni ma taraktukum fa inma halaka man kana qablikum bikathra su'alihim wa ikhtilafihim an anbiya'ihim ma nahaytukum anhu fajtanibuhu wa ma amartukum bihi fa'tu minhu ma istata'tum muttafaqun alayh this hadith is agreed upon all those who reported the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu i am asking you oh my companion that you will hold tight on that which i have left for you okay for indeed those who were destroyed before you were only destroyed because they asked too many questions and differed from their messengers and their prophets their prophets are asking them to go right why should we go right explain to us what's the meaning of right we want to go left once the quran tells us to do something or the prophet directs us to do something we just follow suit waqalu sami'na wa we hear we listen to what you said and we are obedient we're not going to do anything else but what you have commanded he says avoid such questions avoid such questions for if you indulge in such questioning then you'll be in difficulty keep what i have commanded you and do whatever you can do from it as much as you can Allah will never bear the soul only that which it can take. If we can do that, inshallah, we will be saved. This is the end of this session. I am so sorry it is too long, but I felt before I came, shall I divide it into two parts or shall I just go through with it? I said, no, I will go through with it because I really believe if there is any danger for us today as believers or Muslims in particular, or people who are trying to live a good life and be good citizens human beings it is the tongue it is the gossip that is written in articles whether it is new papers magazines it is the gossip that programs are paid for in radio shows and television shows it's the gossip that we go to listen to when we go to cafes and internet cafes and whatever it's the gossip that we have in our environment with our friends and neighbors you see that destroys our fabric of our society because within the gossip that we have there is lying there is cheating there is deceiving there is spreading of rumors there is all those things i mentioned and therefore it is so essential each one of you if you take anything out of me today take that the most important part that allah has created within you to use is your tongue use it wisely for there is a hadith of rasulullah sallallahu in which he says رب كلمة تخرج من فيك تهوي بك في النار سبعين خريفة. Perhaps one word that you will be uttering by your tongue, you meant it or not meant it, coming out of you that you can never take it back, will drag you down into the hellfire seventy years before you reach the place where you are going to be punished. Seventy years you are just passing punishment, and then you reach where you are supposed to reach to be punished for the just one word that you have said. It means it is a huge thing. As I said at the beginning, the tongue is a small instrument, small organ. But yet, it can do the biggest thing, worship Allah, make the remembrance of Allah. Or do the most wickedest thing by saying a word to deny Allah's existence. And then you go to the hellfire. May Allah guide me 
and guide you. I'm going to give you a few minutes if, you, if sister wants to say something. But then if anybody have a question about the subject first, if nobody have any question about the subject, any other question, then we can finish. We can pray Asr for those who want to pray, inshallah. Yeah? Uh-huh. Have you got anything to declare after I? Um, thank you all for coming. Thank Amen. Yes. And while people are making wudu, enjoying having something to feast with, you can ask me a question. Any question about the subject? Yeah, spoke about, um, the, the question here. You spoke about forgiveness today. Yes. Um, and we know that there is many rewards. Uh, for forgiving people, yeah. and that you shouldn't keep malice within your heart. Yeah. But what if you are, what if you try very hard, but if you are absolutely <coughs> incapable of forgiving the other person because of all the injustices that he has caused you, and you try to forgive him, you say, Ya Allah, forgive him, but you're not able to forgive him. <laughs> now, a very good question. Did you hear the question? If somebody يعني, has a grave animosity with you, and really you want to forgive them, and although you say it by your tongue, but your heart is still is feeling the pain because of the injustice they've done against you, what shall you do? Here, my only answer comes from the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, regarding exactly that kind of person, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم فإذا الذي بينك وبينه عداوة عداوة meaning animosity. Okay? of grave injustice done by the person whom you have that adawa for. Okay, this is the highest thing. Because Allah used it for Iblis. Allah says, يعني, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ كَانَ لَكُمْ Indeed, shaitan was an enemy for you when he created, when we created your father Adam, then you must make him an enemy. And he's the only one Allah asked us to take him as an enemy. Because he was arrogant and he was looking down at us. In fact, the criminality of Iblis is discrimination. You know that. So I think discrimination is very bad because Iblis discriminated against us. Iblis said to Allah, <laughs> I bow for him. He's made of mud. And today we do the same thing. You want me to go with you? Look at you, you poor little pathetic person. You ugly human being. You this and that. This is the way we are. This is Iblis character. So we shouldn't be like Iblis. Okay? So if Iblis is supposed to be taken as the enemy, and he is the enemy. Allah said, if there is somebody whom you have similar situation with, whereby they treated you really bad, and you have that anger in you to treat them like an enemy, and you have that animosity in your heart towards them, I am asking, I am begging you, treat them as if they are the best of friends. He didn't talk about the heart. He said, in your treatment, in your interaction. When you interact with them, when you treat them, treat them as if they are the best of friends. And you know how we treat the best of friends. Okay? However, this station, none will be fitting it or get it, only those who will act with patience. What does that mean in this verse? It means, yes, you, have, you are human. You have got this feeling inside. Be patient. But how can I be patient? Allah taught us how to be patient when we are passing a test in our heart, when we are losing certain things, especially dignity sometimes. Somebody insult us, demean us, put us down, and we're angry inside because of the injustice they have done. This is the bala. 
This is the test from Allah. So you need to increase your dhikr by repeating inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raja'un. Wherever your heart is carrying something making you feel terrible and you can't forgive. You can't say salam. You don't want to look at the person. You don't want to go to the place. You don't want to go out because you are just fed up. Allahu Akbar. That means your heart is being conquered by your nafs. Your ego is taking over. To fight your ego, it is your jihad to go and make wudu. Pray to Raga'az. As Abdullah ibn Amr al-Khattab says, okay, ما همنا أمر إلا وتذكرنا رسولته فرقعنا لله رجعتان ثم أن الله حاجتنا فقضاها لنا. Whenever we're confronted by anything that we need to do, only we remember the Messenger and we pray to Raga'az. He taught us to do so. And then we tend to Allah and ask him and Allah gives us what we want. So my brother, I'll say to you, the person needs to make a wudu, pray to Raga'az by the intention of removing this animosity and then keep repeating إِنَّ لِلَّهِ وَنَيْرِهِ رَجْعُونَ Anytime your heart is heavy, just inna People think inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raj'un. We are from Allah and to Allah we return. This, is, this statement should only be repeated when you hear somebody died. But if suddenly I hear anything, if I hear, oh, my bank, where my money is collapsed, I don't say, oh, how am I going to live now? Oh my God, I'm poor. <laughs> you are poor, you are born with nothing. You are born holding your hand tight because you are greedy and mean. Every baby is born like that. Are you going to die like that? I came with nothing, I couldn't go with nothing. You never see somebody dying like that. You die like that. These are the signs. We learn from them. So, I will say, the first instant is to try to correct oneself, and the second is to treat the person the best. Never say otherwise. When you see them, treat them as if they are the best of friends, and ask Allah refuge, or asking Allah refuge, and Allah will make it easy. Because really, I don't see any place. A heart that needs to go back to Allah, Salim, will have nothing in it. إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٌ وَمِنْ سَلَامَةَ الْقَلْبِ رَبْعِ كُلَّ هَذِهِ الْأَشْيَاءِ And a sign of a, a peaceful, complete, pure heart, it doesn't have any of these animosities in it. I think this is a sign of the day now. We have got 30 people who are angry with. We don't talk to them. We don't see them. We don't want... I know. So what? Somebody annoys me. Somebody said to me once, Sheikh, but you are a Sheikh. Nonsense. I'm a human being. I have the same feelings. I tell you, there are some things I receive and I hear. And I, if, if somebody could be killed by a word, I could have been died or dead a long time ago. But I have to follow what I believe in. You are a man of Quran. You say, That's it. You must carry it. No, there is no excuse. All those who say, well, I'm not a prophet. I'm not like the prophet. These are rubbish. These are rubbish. We are here to be exemplars for others. And our example is the Prophet any more questions? Yes, sister. How are you? Are you all right? How are you? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. You're welcome. Um, I wanted to ask you, they say that Imam Ahmed Ibn Hanbal radiallahu anhu, he saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 99 times. And you mentioned that we can't encompass Allah. What does that mean, he saw 99 times? If you remember what I said, I said, you cannot see him with your eyes, with his physical eyes. But there is other ways. You can see a line in your dream. And I can see him in my dream. In fact, I did. I'm not saying it because I'm very special. No, no, astaghfirullahaladzim. On the contrary. And when I was young, I used to do a lot of things. Because I want things. I, I really genuinely, like somebody who's researching, they say the person who's so hungry, in Egypt, they say, the one who's very hungry in Egypt, when he sleeps, he sees fool. Fool is, is the basic <laughs> diet of Egypt. And the thirsty will see the divine Nile. <laughs> 
So according to your desire, you will see what you desire. Okay. So when they say he saw him, that's the way he saw him. Not with his eyes. Not with his eyes. When you dream, you don't see with his eyes. You know, when you are dreaming and you see yourself, how do you see yourself? How yourself can see yourself? And I dream sometimes, I see myself in the bed, oh my God. <laughs> and then I, I, I'm hovering over my body and then I'm going and I'm traveling and come back and oh my, you are still sleeping. <laughs> because the spirit, and the spirit doesn't see with, it doesn't have the same. The spirit has, as I always say to the computer literate people, it's a CPU. If you know, understand ICT or IT, you see? The inner core, everything is there. So we hear, we see, we speak, we comprehend and understand through one part which we call Qalb al-Ruh. We did a talk about it. I don't know whether you heard it or not. Have you been here for my talk about Qalb? Al-Qalb? Uh, and then you hear it. It is recorded. I don't know. Was it recorded? The King Al-Qalb, the heart. I think, I don't know what it's on Babi Kuba. Is it recorded? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just listen to it. It is in, what do you call that? Yeah. Uh, the iTunes, yeah? Yeah. yeah. If in iTunes, that talk I did about the heart. Listen to that one and you, you can inshallah find. Uh, yes? Is that, that, is that enough? That answer or? Yes. Sure? Yeah. I'm, I'm going I'm to say something to you again in a minute, yeah? Because you reminded me. You're a television woman. <laughs> so, so I, I, no, something good, something not bad, yes? Alaikum yes. salam, sister. How are you? All right? Alhamdulillah. Yes. Absolutely so right. No, 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 no. You, you, you are, you are clever. <laughs> you do. May Allah bless you. Yeah, I, you, I don't need to explain to you. Yani, you got it right. You see, yani, the liquid will match the liquid. The solid will match the solid. We as physical beings, okay, we can only deal with this body through the physical being. Can our bodies go beyond the atmosphere of the earth? We can't. We'll burn. Jibreel is made of spirit. But could Jibreel go beyond the seven heavens in Mi'raj? Inshallah, we're going to have a talk at the end of this month about Mi'raj. Could? He couldn't. Why? Because he is weaker. Yeah? He is weaker than the light of the higher light heavens. Same thing. Because we come from him. Spiritually, if we are in a position that the veils of our desires and egos that are shackling us are removed, we will be able to see him. In that sense. That is spiritual. Allah, you can speak to him. They say, if suddenly you are confronted by something, a question, uh, a decision you need to make, shall I travel? You suddenly are sitting with your friend and they want to go to a place. They say, will you come with us? Immediately, without you knowing, you are consulting yourself. By nature. Shall I go or not? You know who answers you? Allah. Because spiritually, he is your advisor. He will say to you, go or not go. But it's like that. It's gone. And this friend are saying to him, are you coming? You are trying to say, mm. Then who follows Allah's advice? It's the angel, Raqib. He will say to you, Allah said, go. Or Allah said, don't go. But it goes quicker, like that, twice. Mm, your friend says, come on if you're coming. No, I need to think about it. 
Then forget about it because Iblis now is coming in. <laughs> then the advice is coming from your ego, itself, it comes from Shaitan. They say, Lil insan, thalath lamat. For, for the human, there are three moments of him grasping the reality of what he should do or what she should do. Lammatullah, the advice of Allah. Lammatul Malak, the advice of the angel. Walammatul Shaitan, the advice of the Shayateen. Iblis and his soldiers and your own ego. And that is terrible. Yeah? So you are, you are giving the right thing. I'm coming back to my sister there. Why I'm talking about television? When you came, I said away, because what I was talking about is about people receiving knowledge. Because you are in the media, I wish people like you or people who have got the meaning of creating, we need to make programs about important human beings. It would be fantastic if somebody like you make a series or program about important women in Islam. Like, for example, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Like, for example, uh, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. For example, uh, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. For example, Asma bint Abukr Sadiq. I'm saying this one because this one have got something in my mind and something click. Like Rabi' al-Adawiyya. Okay? And I can go on. There are too many of them. But I wish, yani, when I open an Islamic channel, I have program like, because this is more beneficial. Yani, if I listen to a story of somebody important like that, it goes into my heart and I will comprehend the story much better to practice from it that which will benefit me than something else. And a lot of debates, a lot of discussions, a lot of politics, that no value for me. So think, do something like that. And maybe you started, maybe you have done, I don't know. But if there are producers who are willing to, and I don't think it costs money. And I think you can become your own producer. You just buy a nice, beautiful camera, get two of your friends who are willing to come with you, buy their tickets, travel to this place, write your, ask people like me to give you direction where to go to get the information of the person, produce your program, go and shoot your films, and that's it. Really, there are very clever now, it's so easy. You don't need all those nonsense. Uh, in the past, you have got 200 people. Everybody wants to link himself to the film. Okay? Even the person who serves the tea and the coffee. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else with a question? While we're having your cake and tea? Anybody? Yes, sister? There are, there, are, there are things that you hear about what's happening in television, in the media, which are of value to speak about. Like, for example, I just now spoke in my talk about the Jubilee. It's good. As a Muslim, working with non-Muslims, it would be ideal to reflect the, oh yeah, the Jubilee and to speak about what do you feel about it? Is it right or wrong? Is it good? It will educate them because they might think, oh, these Muslims, I, I was passing in Kilburn High Road, there are some brothers there standing and saying, it's haram. Or some of them are standing and shouting the death to the queen. So I say, no, no, no. I'm a British citizen. My parents, I give the reason. Tell them about your own, relate your own life. People would listen to you. You see, I, I worked in a lot of organizations with non-Muslims. I always projected what I believe in. And I talked about things that are beautiful and good. And in the television, not all of it is bad. But it becomes silly when you want to talk about the bad things. Or the things that they have no value. And if they are talking about things that have no value, 
then you can excuse yourself, move away, or don't talk about it. If you are bound to stay where you are staying. But for me, my school, my staff room is not the only place I can sit in. I can move away. I can go to play with the children in the playground. You see? I can go to my classroom. I can go to my office. I can do any, a lot of things. But to sit and you know what they are saying. Sometimes, you see, we sell short ourselves. If we are working with those who are not Muslim, we try to prove we are equal. So if they talk about something that even it's not right, we talk about them. Like the, the Muslim brother or sister, everyone say, shall we go to the pub? Yes! But you are a Muslim. I can drink coke. It makes me feel a little bit that the person doesn't understand. It's not the matter of drinking, the matter where you are. No, that's fine. As Muslims, how are we going to no. say no? No, 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 no. If, 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 for example, I go with my employers or employees who are working with me to a, to a restaurant whereby they are eating and in the restaurant alcohol is fine. If they go with me to the building where we are, there is a function and I'm there and they are doing it to themselves, fine. But I will not go to the place whereby there is nothing there but alcohol. And they go to the pub, I say, look, my, this is not, for me, it's not acceptable. Because the direction is from the Prophet <coughs> So, I will, and for example, I had a lot of people who were working with me, who would say to me, look, we're going to have a Christmas dinner. Alright? But they want to go to this restaurant, that restaurant, alaykum salam, Ismail. So, I said to them, tell them. And believe me, they, they choose, Adhan jazakumullah, al khair. They choose to go to have the dinner in a halal restaurant. A lot of them, they don't mind because they can just go to an Indian and they love it. The biggest meal in this country is an Indian meal. The fairest meal to be sold in this country is curry. If I go to Sudan, I told them, my inshallah, the, the fairest meal in England is curry. I said, come on, I've been to India, I've been to England. <laughs> so we need to be careful, my sister, because you want to paint a picture of your faith, what you believe in. The more you say this, the more you respect it. I, I, I used to be a member. I resigned of the board of a, uh, a charity for a Prince Charles called Mosaic. And, 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 and they asked me, is it possible when we go to the meeting, sometimes the person who is receiving us can serve alcohol? I said, why? Because some people like to have alcohol, like wine or something. I said, if in their place, this is something that they do between them and their creator. But if they are doing it deliberately for our meeting, no. I will not come. Because it shouldn't be done just for us. I don't. A hotel is all right. If you can avoid, if, if you can, if you can avoid the pub, if you can avoid it. If I'm arranging it, I worked for a lot of organizations that are not Muslim, and I had similar position like that. It is in my hand. I don't have to. And if I can, if they said to me, look, do it in the pub. If I can uh, get one of my colleagues to take my place, 
excuse myself, fine. But my employers always knew who I am, what I work for, what I stand for. You know, one of the worst things is not to put yourself in the right position. Always value who you are by what you believe in. The people whom you are with, they will value more than you value yourself. I had a girl who was working for the GLC. The GLC, by the way, used to be like the Parliament of London. Okay? Okay? Next to the Parliament there. It's a hotel nowadays. And King Livingston used to be there. And there used to be 9,000 workers working there. And the 9,000 workers, there's about only an, around 900 Muslims. And there was one girl in 1981-82 who came to me after a lecture and said to me, look, you said prayer is so important that we should not mix our salah. We should pray all our salah in time. We should not have any excuse. Yes, I can't pray because where am I going to pray in the GLC? I said, why? Is there any place to pray? She said, well, I don't think so. I said, go and ask your, okay, superior, the person who's responsible for you, your line manager, that you want to pray as a Muslim. Just write a note to him, see what will happen. By Allah Almighty God. That time there is no girl wearing hijab. I think this girl was the first I think, girl to wear hijab in London. In an official capacity. Now you see it in the airport, in banks, in parliament, in the house of lords. I see girls with their hijab. Now it is easy for you. There was no. That girl was with her hijab properly. She went to her boss. And she never used to wear hijab. I told her she wore her hijab. She took her, wrote a paper, gave it to her section manager. Section manager, in the same day there was a meeting of for section managers with him. Livingston. They were sitting together. He passed it to his line manager who was sitting there with him in the department. He read it and he was laughing. Livingston said to him, Why are you laughing? He said, I just got this from this department. Livingston took it, read it, said, We have 9,000 workers here, 900 are Muslim. Not one single one of them said he wanted to pray. This girl must be religious. We have a chapel in the building. Not one Christian used it for praying. We can use that for her to pray, but we can give her a room. Maybe that's not appropriate for her. Give her a room. Her boss just wrote, give her a room. Brought it to her manager. He went and found her room, and they were fighting to get her room with a sink to wash. They went and did their own research. They found her the room, and the room she used to go to, before it, there is a little like cupboard area there, and it's a little bit messy. They were apologizing, please, if this is not appropriate, we don't have another place. And the room was so nice. So clean, so big. Inside there is a sink. She took her prayer mat and she was praying. She opened the door for a lot of Muslim men and women in hospitals, in universities, in colleges, in school to go and ask. Because everybody else came and asked me, I said, go and ask. And everybody was given. So, so we should value ourselves through the faith we believe in. I promise you, they will value us because of him. He will make them. And whosoever fear Allah, and he will do everything just for him, Allah will make him a way out of his difficulty. Allah will give him ease from his problem that he is facing. Okay? For Allah had made for everything a destination. Everything is destined. If it is your destiny to receive that good, it will come through your hand. But don't assume things. Never. Don't assume things. I traveled the world. I went everywhere. I sat with kings. I sat with queens, with royalty, with prime ministers, with presidents. I'm always the same person. You see? I don't change myself. I don't. Uh, uh, do I need them? What for? 
Do they need me? What for? We are just interacting for a purpose or a reason at a time. Allah made us to me. Do I change myself for that purpose? No. I act the same way. I am, in the, I am here with you now, and I can leave you now here, and I can go to any place. I can go to 10 Downing Street, sit with the Prime Minister, I'll be the same. With the same hat sitting there, with the same clothes. Don't have different clothes to wear. I wear the same thing all the time. This is me. What you see, what you get. Seriously. So be yourself. Allah will give you tawfiq. Any more questions? All right, going once. Are they uh, going twice? Then we can. Ah, Ismail. You are you're just uh, at the last. Okay, yes, what's it? Um, sometimes being patient. Being? Yeah. It's a big jihad for me. And sometimes when I lose my temper, I say things I regret I never say. Um, what advice would you give to ignorant man like myself when I lose my temper? What we are a very polite man, you say that about yourself. But what advice should you give to the person who is impatient? Yeah? Yes. Patience is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. And patience is a gift given to the person by Allah. Alright? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says for people who will act immaculately in their behavior and they are always upright in what they do they are either totally patient in their okay, conduct or they are very lucky people. A lot of the Muslims say oh there is no luck in Islam. I tell them you are so wrong. There is a lot of luck in Islam. I wish I was born a prophet. They were so lucky to be born prophets. Wouldn't you wish to be a prophet or to be Maryam or to be Khadija? I wish I was in their shoes. My luck is me. I accept what Allah gave to me, but that's luck. Okay? Prince Harry didn't choose to be born. An angel came to him and said, excuse me, you are born. Which country? Which nationality? Which blood? He said, oh, I want to be born English. I want to be born in the, okay, what do you call that family? They have a name. The Windus. I want to be the son of Prince Charles. I want my mother to be the woman who is most loved in the world. No, no, no. I want to be the next king. No, he didn't have that choice. He didn't know. He just born. He just this is his luck. Those people who are against that kind of person. They don't know. You tell Mulka, Allah give kingship whoever he wishes to give, and he will take it away from whoever he wishes. Yeah. So here you have to realize, being lucky or being patient are virtues given by Allah to you. But you need to do that which will bring them to you. Okay? In the case of patience, you need to remember that if you have faith, everything that happens only happens by the will of Allah. And everything that takes place can never take place without His permission. Hence, Rasulullah said in the hadith, ما خاب من استخار وما ندم من استشار. The one who will make istikhara or consult Allah by reading. Oh Allah, I ask you to show me the direction. Allah We never fail. Because you are leaving it to Allah. And the one who will consult the people of knowledge about what he's going to embark upon will never regret. I go and go and buy a car. I am Sheikh. I'm going to buy a car. What knowledge do I know about cars? I never drove a car in my life. Maybe I drove camels and horses and <laughs> I never knew know anything about cars, engine, or anything. Although when I sit with my children and my wife, I always tell them, no, don't do this, don't do that. I don't know nothing. If tomorrow you gave me money, I said, Sheikh, go and buy a car, please. 
And I went and bought the first car that looked so beautiful in front of me. And I bring it to the Sheikh, you they cheated you because the engine is throttle. I said, How do you know? The sound of it is not right. You bring the engineer, said this car is obsolete. Whom should I blame? But myself. But if I said to you, Ismail, I don't know anything about car, whom shall I go? She said, Call an engineer from the AA. Full stop. Pay him 60 pounds, 100 pounds. They will check the car and they say, Buy it or not buy it. Okay? I will never regret that car. So here, in order for you to make sure that what you do will bring you patience, always turn to the Prophet in what he says to bring us that patience. Three things I recommend to every human being. Number one, when you wake up in the morning, the very thing you need to do is to realize that you are a son of Adam, daughter of Adam. You make mistakes, but you can become the best and closest to Allah when you seek forgiveness. He, sallallahu alayhi wa every day he used to ask Allah to forgive him a hundred times. So turn to him. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, or astaghfirullah al-Azim, hundred times. That cleanse your heart from. Then, make salawat for the Prophet a hundred times. For every salah you make will be counted ten, and for everyone will be given ten rewards. At least, you will have ten thousand rewards. Wow! So you have got some capital to work with. You have some, okay, sustenance to carry with spiritually. And then you read La Hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-Ali al-Azim a hundred times. For Rasulullah said, Whosoever recites La Hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-Azim a hundred times in his day, 99 doors of test will be blocked from his past. The companion says, Why 99? Rasulullah said, Because the hundreds is the door of death. When death comes, it's gone. You cannot say to Israel, Just give me another five years. <laughs> you understand? So these three things, if you do them in the morning, and in the evening, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, that then, inshallah, at least that will remove you from the test. Because you are created to be tested. And impatience comes through the test you go through. So you want the test to be easier. You don't want the test to be removed. But when it comes, we are all tested. We are sitting here now, I'm telling you, if each one of us can open his heart and say what test we passed through today, some of us will say, oh, thank God. Your test was more harder. Yeah? All of us were tested. So patience is a virtue. Work for it, and Allah will try, inshallah, to give you some of the aspect that will bring you closest to it, inshallah. Anything else? We shall we pray? Yes. Yes. Two things to announce. Yes, you can just let me make this announcement, then you can go. Two things, because you can just at least inform others. Two things to announce. The first thing. I want to teach a course about tasawuf, spirituality. Now, a lot of people love this course. I, I teach a lot of non-Muslims about this, and they love it. If you know any non-Muslim who want to know, or you yourself, or any Muslim who want to know, because we need to know who we are. It's a big subject, but I'm going to cut it in portions. I'm going to do the first course for about six to eight weeks. I'm going to start... Okay, after the half term. And the half term I'm going to be traveling. This, this week coming, I'm going to Chicago. Then I'll come back, inshallah. The Monday, I'm traveling on uh, Tuesday morning. Inshallah, pray for me. And then I come back on the Monday morning, landing at Heathrow at 6.45 in the morning. And then instead, I'll come to my job. Yeah, I'll go straight with my work. Uh, my daughter was asking me, yeah, take the day off. I can't just take the day off. I'm paid. So, astaghfirullah. To make your money haram just for because I'm tired, and I just go to my work. 
that Allah is, will help inshallah. So that week, if I can help it, Thursday, or I think it will be uh, the 19th, maybe, I'm not sure, we'll start. You'll just, I'll tell Sakina, she'll tell you from that week, inshallah. Not this Thursday coming, not the Thursday after, the third Thursday, we'll start the course and we'll carry on, okay? In, until July, and be the third week of July, then we'll finish, okay? If you can make it, make it for the six weeks. We will start the course, okay? It will be two hours. I will give a talk for about one hour and 15 minutes, and then I'll leave 45 minutes for discussion, debate, questions and answers. And I promise you, you will enjoy it because I'm going to link this for you from the Prophet Sallallahu time, with evidence from the Quran and the Sunnah, so that nobody can debate with you. And it will be a good tool for you to know who you are. That's the basic thing, not just to defend yourself or this is one thing the second thing a retreat last year i did a retreat to spain it was yani, short but it was sweet and good people enjoyed it and everybody's been asked please let us do it it's difficult for me because i'm an employed person i have got yani, f- rules to follow okay and a contract to fulfill but alhamdulillah i managed to get time one day off i can take it will be in in, in july sometimes this is going to be from the 5th to the 9th. 5th is Thursday. People should arrive in Spain on the 5th. If you read in the website, you find it. And the sisters can tell you how to get the information. If you buy your ticket now, tickets are very cheap return for about 80 something pounds, 100 pounds maximum. Okay? To what was the city called? We went to last year uh, in the east of Spain. Uh, if I can remember. Uh, yeah, Al Ghariya de Rosalie, where we are going. Yeah. But the, 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 the airport we go to is Murcia, is Murcia, and there's another one, two of them. Alicante. 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 In Arabic, Alicante. But Alicante in, in Spanish. Alicante, that is, that's where you land. Then we want everybody to land in the same kind of afternoon or something, to wait there in the airport. And then a coach will take everybody. The money you pay to the sisters will pay for your coach coming and going back and for your stay and for your food while you are there. Everything is paid for. And it's very, very good. Not really expensive. Look at it. You can either stay with somebody in a room, double room, two of you, or three in a room, or four in a room, or eight in a room. That's the way it is. If there are more than that people want to stay together, there are dormitories. 20 can stay in a room. The prices are given for the amount of people in a room. 